The weekend just got more entertaining. It's Weekend Joe on Claves Online, driven by Munganast, St. Louis Acura. Hear from some of the big names in St. Louis and national sports every weekend. And now, here's Joe Roderick and me, I'm Andy Hanselman. And welcome on into another episode of Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Alton Toyota, right here on Claves Online, clavesonline.com. I am Joe Roderick, joined as always by Andy Hanselman. And Andy, it's a, uh, well, we're, we're one week closer to the uh, to the start of sports, but I'm on the road this uh, this week. As, as you see, I am at a, uh, I am not in my normal location recording this, uh, this radio pro, this podcast program. Claims Online has sent you on assignment. No, no, no. Oh, no. This is. This is me wanting to get out of my house and driving four and a half hours up to the uh, suburbs to go see my sister. That's that's oh, what this is. Oh, oh. Not, I thought maybe there was some big baseball meet recovering for Claves Online. Claves said, Joe, I need my best man on it. Get up to Chicago and start covering hard scrabble journalism. I I really, really am wondering what is going to happen. Claves and I have talked a little bit about... Just what what to expect from the season? We've talked a little bit about it on our on the lunch show on Mondays, and we've also texted and talked about it uh, at other times too. And it's no none of this is big secret information that I'm like divulging right now. But I mean, Klaibs has said on the lunch show that they have told him to not expect to do any uh, to go on the road at all this year, to not travel with the Cardinals this year, that they will be doing their shows from a studio, from the road games from a studio. They're not sure where in Bush Stadium they're going to call home games. I, I think he imagines it'll be the radio booth, but if you're talking social distancing, the radio booths, the the TV booths are not set up to to do that. They are, they are not the... Uh, I mean, God, well, Wrigley is the worst, but I, I think there's a little space at, at the radio booths in, in the Cardinals, so I don't know what they're expecting, but he has said that they are doing road games from St. Louis, from somewhere in St. Louis, and I would imagine many teams are going to be operating that uh, that same way. And then he and I were talking, too, about what it's going to look like the workouts are starting next week like the teams are already there but the official start of summer training i I guess could we call it that is that the name we want to give it Uh, yeah it's spring training two. uh the relaunch what was that spring training in the summer right so whatever they relaunch whatever they restart is media going to be allowed there for that i i can't imagine that's stits i like it Spring training in the summer, stits. Stits training or? Stits, just stits. Yeah. Cardinals showing up for stits today. Yeah, so I. Too much too much room for a, for a blunder there. Yeah, very much so, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they, they have the studio at Bush Stadium in the basement. But again, I mean, you're, but you, you need but something why? bigger it, than that. Like, that's, this uh, is, and this is what Klaibs has, has talked about, is. You can't just it, this is this isn't, you know, me and you watching a game and doing play by play. I mean, I, I did that with video games when I was, you know, 12 years old. I, I would sit there with a recorder and play video like 
they are actually professionals giving you a professional baseball game. They need all the surroundings. They they want to know how the fielders are set up. They want to know which way the wind's blowing and stuff that they can see when they're at the field doing the games. And that's not stuff that they'll be able to do by just watching the the TV cameras. Here's here's no, it, it will not be the TV cameras. Here's what here's just what I envision is that they will be sitting in a studio somewhere, probably either at Bush Stadium or at the KMOX Studios, which you know they just built their brand new facility, but but less than less than ten years ago. So, and there's a ton of studio space in there because they've also fired everybody. So there's rooms to set up all those and they'll, they'll have their own, they'll have their own feeds. They'll have a, they'll have a, a, a center field view of the pitcher and the catcher and, and the batter, but then they'll also probably right next to it. They'll have, you know, the, the behind home plate view of a wide angle shot of the, of the entire field to see how the players are set up. Um, and then, I mean, what else do you need? I mean, there's really nothing else to see. Maybe 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 down the first and third base lines to kind of get an idea of so of, for some depth perception to really get an idea of where people are. But I mean, but those are really only the four camera angles you really need. I I mean I'm gonna guess that they would want more than well, than sure. that, and I I don't know if that's something that's possible for baseball to do or if it's up to each individual team and how that will, uh, how that'll possibly work. I, I did see Bob Euchre is, uh, is planning to call all of the Brewers home games this year as he normally does. So that means Bob Euchre will be in his 50th year on the, uh, on the microphone. Wow. You know, all, all the stadiums have their own closed circuit feeds. So that you know, the feed the the different the feed the different monitors around the stadium. So I mean, it would be pretty easy, I think, to grab a hold of that feed off a satellite and and um and and bring it down to where the broadcasters are. You know, I ran into the other day, Joe, and I should have asked him about this. I ran into John Kelly, our old friend of the show. Oh, nice. Where at the golf course at Gateway National? Yeah. Congratulations to you, by the way, as you move on to the Sweet 16 of the uh, TMA Fan Page Club Championship. As uh, as I had to, uh, I was unable to make your uh, your round on Thursday afternoon, but I, I got to say it was a comeback for the ages as you were down four holes with eight to go, and you uh, you mounted your way back to defeat him. What you you ended up uh, a plus two, right? Yeah, I finished uh, finished around two up with with a spectacular birdie on number on number nine which would have been our number 18 so i appreciate you uh caddying virtually in a group text with my wife yeah that's kind of egging me on and and, and telling me oh andy you can do this come on you can do it she had zero clue what was going on no she knows believe me we've been together 10 plus years she knows more about golf than she ever really wanted to know well, I, I was going to say, like, she she was asking what it meant when you were saying, you know, pl- plus one, minus one, whatever, that I, I didn't know. If oh, she, she didn't was... know what she didn't know what A.S. meant. And that's that's. Oh, you what? Yeah, she didn't know what A.S. meant. <laughs> if you add another S on to it, it's something that she calls you all the time. But right. yeah, she she knew what that part of it was. But so uh, do you know who you're facing in the round of 16? I don't. That match has not been played yet. I know that they're both uh, very good players out of the Legends Country Club in Eureka. Uh, one is actually a guy that I know. He's, I've done some uh, work with him professionally before. His name is Dennis Woods. And then the other guy is Mr. Fanger. Yes, yes. I, I was aware of Mr. Fanger. So it's the winner of Mr. Fanger and Dennis Woods. Okay. 
I will. Uh, I will. Try, I mean, we'll have to talk about when uh, when you go back on on there to see if I can be on your bag for the uh, for the next round of that. We'll sure. uh, we'll see if we can make that work. Plus, you know, we also I also promised you too that if I made it past this round, that we could get you a caddy outfit. I I don't know if I mean that. You know, it's it's gonna be pricey. Whatever, I'll wear it. I mean, I'll I'll definitely wear it. But I want to get removable stickers that we can put on the cart of the Klaibs Online logo. And and do that. Now, am I going to see any funds from that? Or is well, that I don't. Is that is that just for just for your for your entertainment? <laughs> Pretty much just for my entertainment. I, I think that's the uh, that's. I, I think I will be the one that has to purchase those removable stickers. And from what I've been told, I believe they're only one time each that they can be used. So. Uh, we might just leave them on the cart if uh, I don't think Jay would mind if something of Klaibs, uh, his logo, was on one of the carts out there. I think uh, maybe I can get that by him, uh, but only if it has something to do with Klaibs. I think Absolutely. anybody else, yeah, anybody else, I think Jay might complain about that, but if it's Klaibs, I think he'll he'll let that slide. So we'll, uh, we'll see how that goes, and I, I tell you what, man, after halfway through March, my life just shutting down and basically sitting in my basement every day, doing stuff for Klaibs online, working out in my garage um, and playing video games. The month of July, things are really ramping up. Like Andy, I have to go back to work at the gym on Monday. Oh my God. Right. What are you going to do with yourself? I wake up really early and go to work and that's a check. I, I will, yeah, I will no longer uh, be unemployed. <laughs> so part of me, I, I mean, it's just it's it's just the shock of, okay, like I knew this was coming, and then bam, you're right into it, and then a few weeks from now, we'll have baseball, hopefully on the TV. And as excited as I am about that, and that's by the way, our our show today, ten minutes into the show, um, I, I might as well tell you the guest list today. We are baseball heavy on the uh, on the show today. Former USA Today baseball writer Ted Berg, one of my favorite guests that I have on. I try to have him on uh, as much as possible, and I, honestly, without having baseball on the show, there, there I haven't had to have him on. So I really like talking baseball with Ted Berg. Uh, Polo Asensio, another uh, another guest that we will uh, have on the show today. All all Cardinal talk, and uh, Polo and I just have a, a damn good time talking baseball with that. And then a former writer uh, of La Vida Baseball, he does a lot of Chicago-based writing now, a, uh, a guy by the name of Tab Bamford, who uh, will be on the show. And, and with him, basically, we're, we're just going to talk a lot about the, the construction of the schedule, the, the, you know, the fact that they're playing the Cubs six times, the White Sox four times. Uh, that's, you know, what, eight, nine percent of their schedule is, is going to be Chicago teams. So we will talk with Tab about that coming up in the, uh, in the show as well. So uh, a funny story, though, about Tab. So, Andy... Up in the uh, the press box last year, I can't remember if it was game one or game two of the NLCS. I'm sitting up there, and I don't have an assigned seat in the press box in the playoffs. Come postseason, basically, I think the KFNS assigned table was somewhere in one of the uh, suites, in one of the party suites. And I went up in the main press box. I figured there's always seats available. I'm just going to come up here and sit down. So I found a seat. Ben and I, Ben Boyd and I were, were up there and we, uh, 
so we were able to to hang out up there and uh, and watch the game. And then Nate Lucas also was uh, was up there with us too. So we we just kind of hung out and watched the games. And I, I have a guy sitting next to me to my right who didn't talk to him at all as I got there. Just kind of let him. He was there working hard. And then I go into the uh, I pay no attention to him. I go into the concession area at the press box. And I see this guy talking to somebody and I see his name tag and I see it says Tab Bamford. I've had Tab on the show before over the phone. I all, all I know of him is his picture that he has on Twitter. And I look and I go, oh, Tab. And I, I said, you know, introduce myself, Joe Roderick. Yeah, we've had you on the show. Talk to him. We sit there and talk probably a whole inning of the game. We're just sitting there talking, shooting it back and forth, whatever. And I go, we're like, hey, you know what? We probably should get back to our seats and watch the game. We walk back. He was the man sitting next to me the whole game. (laughs) (laughs) We paid no attention to each other sitting there because I'm sitting there talking to two friends of mine as we're watching the game. Paid no attention to the other man sitting next to me. We get back to our seats. Like he goes and sits down. I sit down and we look at each other and go, huh, been sitting next to each other all game, huh? (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of funny. It really was. And then we just kind of realized we missed the whole inning of the game because we were sitting back there talking. We could have just been in our seats talking. Right. <laughs> so we uh, we, we talk uh, we, we talk baseball with him as well. So like I said, full baseball talk. And I want to throw this out there, too. I don't know if people have noticed. But I changed the, I, the every week I post the show. I post the rundown, all that stuff. I, I try to go colored themes every week too, Andy. I try to uh, pick a theme for the show or for the week or what's going on in the world, and I and I, I put it out there in that color, and I use that color scheme for that because I've been having fun making these graphics. So this week it is the colors that Major League Baseball uses as their logo. That is the uh, the color scheme for this week's graphic work for the uh, for the show rundown. Red, white, and blue. Yeah, but I, I use the exact colors that uh, that Major League Baseball oh, oh, oh. uses. I use the color codes, Andy. I have to look up what their color codes are. The RGB color codes. They're the CMYK color codes. <clears throat> I, I don't know. Look, There's a, a hashtag. Pantone colors. It's a hashtag and then a bunch of other stuff. I don't know what any of the... You're, you're getting way too uh, technical with me on this. So if, if you're going to be a graphic designer, you have to know Pantone colors. Uh. Hex or RGB. That's that's what they I look for. Oh, okay. I, was... I search for the hex number. Okay. Yeah. The hex number. Yeah. All right. That, that's all I know about this stuff. Nope, I want to thank you too for uh, you. You kind of paid homage to me last week. You made the uh, the theme of orange and black, and that was uh, in honor of my birthday because I I'm an Edwardsville Tiger. Unfortunately, you are Andy. That's uh, that's one big strike against you, but we still somehow try to make it work here on uh, the uh yeah as as we uh as we've oh, done this it, show together it, and yeah Edwardsville high school is excellence in education it says so on the on the floor mats as you walk in the building excellence in education excellence in recruiting yes two very uh two things they excel at over there in the uh in the part of madison county um speaking of edwardsville uh known for their uh holding the basketball on the uh, on the court for really eight minutes at a time um the nba has tested all of their players uh, for the uh, for COVID nineteen. I'm not sure if you you saw this as part of getting everybody back in the bubble and practices starting. 
5% of the players that were tested, tested positive for COVID-19. I, I, I think that's a good sign, right? I think so. I mean, you I figure mean, the, general, the general population is less than 1%. If you're pulling a, if you're pulling from a pool of, I mean, how many? 300. How many the NBA? 300. 300. So 5% of them are going to be, what, 60 people? No, it's not right. That's 100. It's, it's 18 people, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think that, I mean, there's going to be people who have it. And they're going to be, they're going to be asymptomatic. There are going to be guys that, yes, there are going to be guys that are asymptomatic that, that end up having it. And that is, I, I just, I, I look at it and I just think, okay, you know, like these guys, they're, people are going to get it. Like these players are going to end up getting it. I, I think if we find out this early and we, we figure out, okay, or, you know, are, are they going to pass it? Can we, do we shut it down quick enough to where, they, we quarantine those guys for 14 days. Nobody else ends up getting it. That's a that's a good thing, right? I, I just I, I think that that's fine. I, I guess. I I, I, I I think it's a I, I think it's it's a good way to to, to nip it in the bud, if you will. It's a good. It's, they're they're definitely on top of it. I, I would think so. And, uh, you know, and you're, you just want to look at numbers like that. Yeah, 16 players have tested positive. Nikola uh, Nikola Jokic, uh, Buddy Heald, two of the biggest names of guys that, uh, that have tested positive for it so far. There have been some players that have decided that they are going to opt out for the, uh, for the season for one reason or another. Uh, um, a player opted out of it because his custody agreement because he's an NBA player his custody agreement actually says that he gets his son for the entire month of August the NBA never plays in the month of August that's their month off so his custody agreement says that he gets his son for that month so he is opting to spend time with his son over playing in the NBA and I think that's you know that that's a really that's that that son's going to remember that for the rest of his life and I think that it is a a pretty powerful message that he's that he's sending that he is going to opt out to spend time with his family and i think there's another player out there too i saw that his son would be considered high risk so he's also not going to play he's to opt out as well and i think you're going to see a lot of that from major league baseball too that you're going to see some players who are around high risk individuals that are going to opt out or they're going to take time off i know clayton kershaw and mike trout both of their wives are, are expecting to give birth during this 66 day regular season. What are they? I mean, what they are, they're going to have to leave at some point, right? I, I would imagine. So Joe, I, I, have you seen the updated terms? Are there going to be, are there, are there going to be 50 man rosters? So the, up, the, the most updated terms that I have seen for this is as of Sunday night, Sunday afternoon, there's a time on Sunday where the teams have to present their 60 man roster. And part of that 60 man will include the taxi squad, if you will, sure. that will be based out of Springfield, Missouri, the, uh, the double a affiliate of the Cardinals. And a few of those players from, from what I understand, a few of those players are able to travel with the team. 
Uh, one of those being a third catcher, and then a few other players are allowed to travel with the team, but they will not be active on the roster. They are only there in case something happens, and then you plug them in right away where the other players are going to be there in Springfield. I'm guessing they assume and they put such a high number behind it in case the worst happens and multiple players, an entire team gets infected. Because, I mean, that's going to obviously, you know, there, there's flexibility for people to be able to do that, like Clayton Kershaw and Mike Trout, who are going to have wives giving, you know, having babies and and players with, you know, you, you can't tell me that of, that of the 800 or 900 uh, Major League Baseball players, that there's someone who's not immune compromised, who has an autoimmune disease that, that is going to be serious. It, it could be a superstar. Now, granted, HIPAA laws, we, know, we don't know who those people are, you know, and we don't need to know who they are, but you guarantee that they're, they, they're, they have to exist. There are, I, I know there are a few players in Major League Baseball who are diabetic. I, I'm trying to think off the top of my head who they, I mean, I know I've seen the stories before, and for the life of me, as I as I sit here right now, I, I can't think of who who it is, or it's so I'm I'm upset with myself over that. But yeah, you're going to have players that are in situations where they're going to uh, end up opting out. So it's yeah, you're you're going to see a uh, you're going to see some interesting things this this baseball season. So it, you you have that, and uh, you you just and the big thing to continue to talk about or the the word that needs to be continued to be thrown about is personal responsibility as the uh the, the players need to understand that if they want this season to go on and they don't want anything to be compromised they need to have that personal responsibility to keep themselves healthy and keep themselves away from anything that has a the possibility of getting them infected, which brings me to this. I was going to save this for crack slippers, Andy, but I wanted to bring it up here as we're talking about the uh, COVID-19. Have you seen the Novak Djokovic story? I have not. Novak Djokovic, the number one, the, the number one tennis player in the, uh, in the world has recently held a, uh, he, he held a tournament he and his wife both have tested positive for COVID-19 after he held a tennis tournament over uh, during this global pandemic over the last few weeks where there was hugging and handshaking and zero social distancing. Full capacity, fans, no masks, players flown in from all over the country, partying at the clubs afterwards. All of this was going on as Novak Djokovic decided that he wanted to uh, hold this, this big tournament in, uh, in Belgrade. That's really, really silly and irresponsible of a guy like Novak Djokovic. Do something so, I mean, it's, just, it's, it's a global pandemic. It's not just a United States pandemic. It's just not China. Th- did he not think that anything bad was going to happen? I mean, I, I don't know if this was in an area where where maybe they they have bars and clubs open, but still, that's just that just seems kind of stupid to do that. Yeah, it, it does. Uh, they it's it's un, unbelievable that yeah they they both tested positive for it, and it, he's he's had to go on a, an apology tour. I know as of the other day, two apologies so far, and they uh, yeah, it's 
it's un unreal a eh, that they they went about going on their own tour and doing this as un it really is it's unbelievable that uh you know it's it's all about as i said it's that personal responsibility that we have to see out of these Absolutely. uh no and it's just it's just like the way that we've all been living our lives the past 3 months where you know we social distance we order in like we know like you know like it was been happening here uh in my house all the time either cooking or ordering in uh not going out to bars you know you i think you can responsibly as long as, long as, as long as you keep your distance from people but i mean you look at, look at areas that are that have had huge increases in infection rates over the past couple of weeks texas california florida People going to the beach like nothing's wrong at all and just hanging out on top of each other. It's just not okay, right? It's still not okay. Yeah, unreal, unreal. And hopefully by the time this airs, hopefully nothing else has uh, has come out about any of the other states. I know Texas and Florida are kind of reshutting back down Arizona as well. And yep. who knows what that's going to that's do the Major League Baseball season. But, hey, we have a lot of baseball talk for you on the uh, on the show today. As I said, we have uh, Ted Berg, formerly of USA Today, Polo Asensio, and Tab Bamford talking baseball nonstop uh, for the next, really, I mean, these three guests are going to go the next hour and a half, and then we'll uh, we'll come back with some crack slippers for you right here on Weekend Joe. Hey, I want to mention this too, um, Corey Inskip at the Inskip Law Firm, uh, he's also a part of Glory Pro Wrestling and Glory Pro Wrestling. I I know I've said a few things before that they have tried to schedule things in the future. Here we go. On Monday, this coming Monday, Andy, they will have ticket information available for their first show since all of this has happened. They're hoping it takes place August 1st. August 1st in Afton at the Afton Elks Lodge. Their plan is to do one-third of the seating of a normal show. They will have social distance guidelines in place. Once the tickets are gone, they are gone. No walk-up tickets. All of this will be done online. So if you are missing Glory Pro Wrestling, Glory Pro Wrestling will have ticket information available on their social media accounts on Monday for their first show since the pandemic hit at the Afton Elks Lodge Saturday August 1st. So uh, keep an eye out for that coming up. It is uh, Glory Pro Wrestling's first show in uh, since the uh, since the pandemic hits. Hopefully it can uh, it can take place. This is Weekend Joe driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Alton Toyota right here on ClabesOnline.com. Coming back with Ted Berg, Polo Asensio, Tab Bamford, all in that order right here on Clabes Online. Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura here on ClabesOnline.com, now the exclusive home of Weekend Joe. Hey, St. Louis Acura has received the Precision Team Award 28 times more than any other Acura dealership in the United States. They have been serving the St. Louis area since 1986, located at 13720 Manchester Road in St. Louis. They are your premier realtor of new and used Acura vehicles in the nation. That is Munganess St. Louis Acura, the title sponsor here of Weekend Joe, now on ClabesOnline.com. 
And welcome back to Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Alton Toyota, right here on ClavesOnline.com. We are continuing with the trend of baseball being back in our lives as we go to former USA Today uh, baseball writer, now a trivia host extraordinaire, one of my favorite guests to, uh, to have on. He is Ted Berg. What's up, Ted? How are you? Hey, Joe. I'm doing well. I uh, for, before we get into whole, the whole baseball thing, I I'm upset right now because for the past few weeks I have been I've been seeing your your posts about the best sandwich in the world, and this weekend I am going I'm driving up to Chicago, but I am going to be nowhere near. Is it Riccobonis? Is that the Riccobonis? Riccobonis. You gotta get you gotta make a trip. You got. I mean, if you're gonna be in Chicago, it's it's. It's an L train trip. It's a it's a little out of the way. It's a little. I'm out in the, of the suburbs. Way. I'm gonna be in Hoffman Estates, like the Schaumburg area. I'm gonna be nowhere. Uh, I I, but don't, I, I I don't know Chicago well enough to say, but I'm saying if it were an option and and money wasn't a thing, I would regularly fly to Chicago just to eat that sandwich. If you're gonna be within an hour of it, it's worth going. It's worth it. It's like you know, and I wouldn't I wouldn't put that on any other sandwich. But if you're driving, if you're talking about driving four hours out of the way, sure, don't don't go. But if if it's an hour, I, I don't know. I would I would do it myself. God, this is okay. I I will look at and where I, it is. No pressure, no pressure yeah. because you know you're gonna be busy. I get it. But it's a really really good sandwich. Here's so here's the other thing though up there, and I've already like I've said I have after I have seen that I have told myself the next time. I go up there for a White Sox or a Cubs game that I am definitely planning oh, uh, on doing that. White Sox game, if you're at a White Sox game, there's no excuse because it's real, real close to where the White Is Sox. it? Yeah. Okay, good. That's That makes it even better because I, for as, I, I will tell you this, and I know you've been to a lot of ballparks. I don't know if you have a ranking of sorts. I will tell you this, that 10 years ago, I would have put Comiskey at the very bottom of my list. Now I've never been to Oakland, so I, I can't I can't compare it to Oakland. But I would have put Comiskey at the bottom of my list. For some reason, going to games there over the last five years, it has drastically jumped up on my list of places where I enjoy watching a baseball game. And now I I really look forward to going up there and and going to that stadium. So I the first time I went to Comiskey was 2005 and it was it was sometime in in the middle of the summer in 2005 the White Sox were having that miracle season and the place was packed and it was like uh, as spirited as I've ever seen a baseball crowd uh, and I think that sort of just in, endeared the stadium to me I've always enjoyed it you know so I grew up going to Shea Stadium and so there's a big part of me that's just nostalgic for the you know unpretentious baseball stadium you're here to watch a game you're not here to ride the slide or or walk the concourse or you know shop in the giants team store like you your seat has a has a clear view of the field there's not all sorts of stupid quirks and gimmicks going on in the outfield wall you just you're here to watch a baseball game and and so i do i, I don't know what they're calling it now guaranteed rate field or whatever it is uh, i do i do appreciate it. i like uh that era, and I know that that was the last, really, of the sort of municipal-style ballpark, uh, but that for as nice as the Camden Yards-style parks are, 
I do have a soft spot in my heart for the the Comiskeys and the Dodger Stadiums and the and the and the Kauffman Stadiums. God, you bring up Dodger Stadium. I I, I was so looking forward to going there in what two weeks for the All Star Game and being in that stadium for the first time ever. And that's one of those when that when that date hits coming up. I know I'm going to be so upset that. Huh, I'm not there for that, but yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I mean that's that's right near the top of my rankings, and it's it's impossible to separate it from the environment. Like you're in LA, the weather is perfect, the you know the sun is setting. You're it's sort of it's set up on this bluff above the city, so you have from you from the parking lot, you have this beautiful view of the skyline, and then the the hills out beyond the outfield. Uh, it's just that's a that's an incredible park. Yeah. Back to uh, back to food really really fast though because how you say you plan your you would plan trips around it there is a place that I think I think my sister said's about 15 minutes from where she lives called Crystal Lake Rib House now I'm not a bloody mary kind of guy but they have bloody marys there on Sunday you you have to look up the picture it's Crystal Lake Rib House their bloody mary ted has it is loaded with i'm looking oh, it's here. one of these places i've seen this i've seen this before i i this is a thing this is a thing in the midwest this is like i where it's like oh how much stuff can we get onto a bloody mary uh, i don't I think they could put anything more on this i'm I, looking at this right now like i think there is a rack of ribs on this bloody mary cupcake on there <laughs> A cinnamon roll, a hot wing, a cheeseburger. How much does that cost? I, 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 like a three hundred dollar Bloody Mary. <laughs> I've looked it up. It says that they recommend you have four people there to eat it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's I, that's more than four people's worth. The food there's, there's, I see two hot dogs, a steak. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's four large people there to eat it. <laughs> I think it's not too far of a draw. You know, it's here. It says it's fifty nine ninety five. Okay, I mean that, that actually seems like a steal for that <laughs> much really, food. That's an in, incredible amount of food. Right. There's several. I, there's several donuts on it. I can you, see at least four donuts on this one. You can bring me that, and just you can take the Bloody Mary back to somebody else that'll drink it. I don't yeah, need the I Bloody, Mary. Bloody Mary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's gross. It tastes like a dare. It tastes like a steak sauce. It's not. It's not something I want. But I will take all of the food that's on top of it. Every every bit of it looks good. I see a kielbasa. There's some hard boiled eggs. Yeah, I'm into this. Yeah. And so that's. I, I that understand is, how they get this thing to stand up. And that's I, that would make yeah, like the sticks are in liquid, right? I, that's you would have to think. It would feel like this, you would, it would be like a, a toppling risk, and they would spend all of their time cleaning meat and Bloody Mary off their floor. Well, it's outdoor seating, so maybe they could okay. just spray off the, uh, maybe they spray off the parking lot now, yeah, if, if it's based up there. That's, that's how they go about it. Speaking of, so I've, I've already seen how, I mean, I've heard the stories, or I've read the stories about how St. Louis is going to handle baseball being back with crowds in Bush stadium. I've seen what the plan is up in Chicago for that. You're in New York. What, are, what are they talking about doing for Yankees and Mets games? Or I guess what's the idea right now for when baseball starts, what kind of fans or percentage of fans are, do you think are going to be in those stadiums? I mean, I have, I haven't heard a ton, you know, I think that they're sort of every, everything here is very touch and go, you know, and, and it's funny if you look at like the, 
the curve, how it is everywhere. It seems like a lot of a lot of the country is now really hitting the peak of the the pandemic, and, and New York really is is sort of coming out of it. Um, but I think everybody's really tentative, and I think because of of how it was here a couple of months ago, it makes a lot of sense, and because you know the population population density is such here that. Okay, if it's not a 100% safe environment at City Field, you know, it's not just that people might get infected there. It's that then they, they bring it home to their apartment building and a thousand people live in their building. And then all of those people are in jeopardy. And so, you know, I think that uh, given how, how poorly it went the, in the first wave here, uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they, if they just if they simply just don't have fans uh, at the game. So I, I just I can't. It's hard to imagine them not being as cautious as humanly possible. Given that, you know, Bill de Blasio, our mayor, uh, the week before everything shut down, said, you know, go out and, and have fun and, and be at the bars and go to the movies and, and celebrate Chinese New Year. Um, and I think that he's he's still taking a, a lot of heat for that, and, and rightfully so. So I, I just I can't imagine they're going to jump back in with both feet. Jeez, that's... Uh, <laughs> to know what the numbers ended up being in New York, that is... That just sounds really, really irresponsible for the, uh, yeah, for the mayor. Yeah, you know, and like, I, I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, it seems like every, nobody really knew what was going to happen here. And, and I guess there's a lot to it. But uh, yeah, I mean, there, you know, bottom line is he was like uh, in early March still saying, you know, go out and go to the movies and, and eat at restaurants because uh, this is not that much of a thing to worry about. And then like a week later, it's like, oh, no, 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 never mind. Everything's closed. So everything's closed. everything's closed and we're setting up a tent hospital in Central Park. It was I mean, it was scary here for a while. So knowing what everything was like there, uh, would fans want to go to games? I, there's enough people in New York that say you can only get 5000 in those stadiums. I'm sure they would find 5000 people. But yeah. it, I mean, do, do you think that demand would be high for those tickets? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think that. I I think that a lot of people would be hesitant, but I think that enough people are desperate for normalcy at this point that people would definitely go. If you look at uh, in in my neighborhood, you know, as soon as the bars started opening for like outdoor drinks, they were packed. There were just people everywhere. And now um, just the Monday they opened restaurants for outdoor dining and you walk around and, and they're all packed. Everybody, you know, and, and I can't blame people. I haven't. I haven't gone out yet myself, but uh, I mean, we've been locked inside for, for three months, you know, so I think people are really eager to get out and do things. I know, like, I check every day to see when they're going to reopen the zoo so I can take my kid there. Um, so I do think there would be people, I think I would want to go to a baseball game. If I mean, a baseball game with only 5,000 other people sounds ideal to me, honestly. So, you know, I, I, I think, yeah, I think they would sell tickets if they, if they open them up. I don't yeah. know that it would be the best idea, but I think that people would go. I know. That's kind of my, my thinking behind it is I think that they would price me out of buying a ticket. But if I could just go there as media and just see what Bush Stadium would look like with 5,000, 8,000 people in it. That, I mean, to me, like the thought of that is just crazy. And I, I imagine it's the same in New York. Just imagine, I mean, nobody going to a Mets or a Yankees game. That just doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, Yankee Stadium would be the really eerie one. I, I, I've, you know, like I said, grew up going 
on Shea Stadium, I mean, I was a Mets fan in the mid-1990s. There were a lot of times. There were less than 8,000 people in the stands at Shea Stadium, which had a capacity of uh, 55,000. So I've seen Mets games pretty empty. Uh, City Field on a, on a cold September night when the Mets are 15, game back, uh, 15 games back of first place is pretty empty. Um, but, yeah, you know, like a, a, a sort of pennant race game, which is a possibility. I mean, every team's going to be in the pennant race because it's only 60 games. Uh, with 5,000 people, that would be, it would be interesting to see. It's, it's unfortunate, obviously, that these are the circumstances under which it's happening. But, you know, if you, you frame it as like, oh, well, this is a, uh, a luxury baseball experience where you can hang your legs over the seat in front of you and, and stick your arms out as far as you can and you never have to climb over anybody to, to get to your seat, uh, there's an appeal to it at the very least. So when you look at what we've been through negotiation-wise these last few months, what are your thoughts right now on on the game of baseball from a from a business standpoint? So it's ugly. I mean, it was ugly. And I I think that when, you know, this is a this is a precursor to a potentially far uglier negotiation coming at the end of of 2021 when they need to come up with a new collective bargaining agreement because we know that the the sides are getting further and further apart. And it seems like uh, the way owners have, and and you know, I think the the unspoken part of it is that you know, they're right not to overpay players in free agency and prioritize younger players. If they're trying to build the best baseball teams on the smallest payrolls, that's the way to do it. It it signifies that the baseball economy is broken. The the if teams aren't going to spend big money on free agents and big money on players in their early 30s and mid 30s anymore and they are going to try to, you know, to to commandeer as many young players as they can, that means something needs to change or else the players aren't going to get a, a big enough piece of the pie. And I think that's what the players concern is, but the trouble with that is that most of the people doing the negotiation for the players are those veterans who are looking out for themselves and, and other veterans. And so um, I think, you know, they need sort of a, an overhaul. And, and hopefully this this got them thinking about it, about it a little bit because I'd hate to see a, a labor stoppage. But I think what what you're going to see or at least what you're going to hear about it is is doubling or tripling the the minimum salary, having players reach arbitration far faster, uh, and and you know various other measures to try to you know, take the emphasis off this you know cost controlled young player being such an incredibly valuable commodity to teams because it's not fair to those players because they're they're underpaid by the standards of of the baseball market and it winds up costing the veterans as well it used to be okay well you're underpaid for your first 3 years and then you're you know mildly underpaid for the next 3 years but then good news you're going to be wildly overpaid for the last 5 years and now that those guys aren't wildly overpaid uh, it seems like just it's going to be the owners taking more and more of the money um, for this negotiation specifically um, i I got to say, my my entire perspective on it was changed by a, a Twitter thread from a guy named Eugene Friedman, who is a labor lawyer. And what he pointed out was that other than the leaks, which was really unfortunate, and how public it became, which was really unfortunate, this ultimate 
how, what what happened? Sixty games with with the prorated salaries, uh, how sort of settling on what they agreed on in March. That's kind of a win win because the players didn't give in. The players never had to sign away, you know, their their pro their prorated salaries, which is what they agreed to. Uh, and the owners didn't budge and go past sixty games. So so both sides can sort of go back to their constituencies and say like, look. We did what we could. We didn't give in. We didn't let them, you know, we didn't pay them this much if you're the owner or, or hey, we didn't let them, you know, cut our prorated salary if you're the player. And and this guy, Eugene Friedman's point was that this is, is probably a hopeful sign for those negotiations down the road. Uh, but that the big issue really and, and what makes it so hard to take as a fan is is how public it is. It, they would be better off not giving any of this information to us, even though we crave it. I think that the, it would be better for the sport if they just kept quiet. Both sides could just keep quiet and hammer out a deal and say, you know, we're not going to say a single thing until this is over. And with that being said, we're, we're looking at just a, you know, a few months really away from having to go through all those negotiations again. Can you have Tony Clark and Rob Manfred be at the, the center of those, those negotiations? I mean, you know, I... I don't know. I, you know, Clark, I don't think has done a very good job as the, as the union head. He strikes me as the guy, uh, even in my interactions with him you know, personally, he just always seems more like a politician than like a, a, a union leader. And, you know, I, I feel like you kind of need your union guy to be, you know, pounding the table and, and power of the people and, and concerned about, you know, his, his constituents, his union members and not, the good of the game and, and, you know, these, these sort of like sweeping uh, and, and, and very broad ranging non-statements that he tends to make about how we're monitoring everything and we're trying to, you know, it seems like he's, he's trying to make peace all the time. And, and I don't know that that's what you want. I don't think that's, you know, what Martin Miller was about and, and Donald Fear was about. And so I don't know, you know, but it doesn't seem like they're changing the leadership soon. So I guess this is where we're going to be. What is your, as we look at a shortened season, a short 60 game season, what is the, what is the thing you are looking forward to the most? What, like a potential crazy stat or possibility that we can see over these 60 games? What, what has you most excited? Uh, you know, what excites me is thinking that like last year, if you look at like the 60 game standings I think the Texas Rangers would have been in the playoffs and two years ago the Mariners would have been in the playoffs and you know so I'm just I'm rooting for that bad team like a really truly bad team to just get hot early in the season why you know win 12 in a row in May and wind up sneaking into the playoffs and maybe taking down a Yankees or a Dodgers so like you know the Detroit Tigers having just an upstart incredible playing above their heads for 60 games and winding up a playoff team, I think would be really fun. I feel like you kind of need to own the small sample size aspect of it. Yeah, that I, I, what I hope for is for somebody to hit 400 and then just the huge debate as to whether or not that should actually count as them hitting 400. That would be fun. That would be fun. And then I guess another fun thing would be also like the, like, what if a guy hits like 40 home runs in 60 games? And it's like, do you, does he get an asterisk and like a spot in the record? You know, and how do, how are you going to do that? If this guy was like, if Mike Trout was like clearly on pace to hit a hundred home runs this season <laughs> and in a 60 game season, like 
what do you do? Do you like say it's kind of a record or do you just like have it as this this separate like, okay, well, this was a really cool thing that happened for 60 games. Yeah, and then, I mean, when you look at the fact that uh, there are six divisions in baseball and every team is going to just not play four of those divisions. I, there are, I mean, these stats are going to be so, I, I guess, misweighed across the board, too. It's it's incredible to think about the possibilities that we could get this year. Uh, yeah, and, and, and to that end, honestly, like, I like I know there's been so much there's been so much anger about the runner on second thing for extra innings but I feel like if this is ever the time to if there's ever been a time to like try stuff out um, and I remember like an interview with Adam Silver from the NBA uh, the commissioner of the NBA talking about like okay well like our 75th anniversary season is coming up and so we're going to use that as an excuse to try out a bunch of new things like for me if i'm running major league baseball it's like this is the year right this is the year to try out wild new stuff and so like to me like the run on second to start an extra inning like that's not even far enough i want to see first of all robot umps is an obvious situation for robot umps because you protect that umpire by uh, the, by letting him stand a little further behind home plate but also like just get get wild with it like what happens if every extra every single every extra inning you have to take a player off the field. So, like, you know, you play the 10th inning, you don't have a right fielder. You play the 11th inning, now you don't have a second baseman. You play the 12th inning, now you only have one outfielder, and right until until people start scoring runs. Um, and I don't know. I, I would I would be interested in, like, as wacky experiments, because this isn't going to be a real Major League Baseball season, and you don't even know they're going to finish it, right? So I'm, I'm all for every single wild experiment that they want to try. I I had not that's of all the crazy things that I have heard uh, suggested or come up with on my own I, I have not heard the one of removing fielders and I really it's, really it's, like that it's a niche idea but think of how fun it would be like think of like you're playing the 15th inning you got four guys behind you so this, the, the pitcher's got to strike everybody out or get really lucky yeah, that would be God, and then you're talking shifts and everything else. That would yeah, be like eventually it's just the pitcher and like the shortstop, and that's it. And you're just like hope the pitcher can get over to cover first. See, these are things that like video games, like the show, need to implement for you to try out in video game form first, and then Absolutely. see if How it, would it works work in a simulation. Yeah, yeah, and then then you introduce it to the minor leagues, and then mm -hmm. from there, yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah, I just that's I want to see. I just want to see it. Like I wanted, I wanted. That's what honestly for me, if I could have been in charge of punishing the Houston Astros, my punishment would have been like, okay, you know what? You have a year off, and what you have to do is we, we're going to field us uh, two teams. Uh, you know, all of the twenty-five players on the Astros and the and the twenty-five best minor leaguers were. were in the system, we're going to split them into two teams, and you're going to play different hypothetical versions of baseball that I agree to every single night just to see how it plays out. I like that. Yeah, I, I wish, and that's. I feel like all of this that has happened, a lot, I feel like there are people that forgot about everything the Astros did, and they will not be punished to the extent that we all hoped they won't be booed because there's not going to be anybody at their games yeah. i don't think teams are going to hit them as much because a 60 game schedule every game means too much now I, the astros have really gotten off easy now i guess i mean <laughs> you know i guess uh like they're not going to be booed as much that's for sure uh 
I I would imagine if you were a member of the Astros, you'd take the booing in front of the packed house and not having a global pandemic over this alternative. Yeah. All right. We. Uh, I, yeah. I. I don't. I just. I. I just need baseball back. I need baseball back I, on my I'm TV. I'm so excited for it. I. You know. Like someone. I just. Every time I see that, because like, yeah, I, we've been caught so much in this the labor aspect of it. You forget about the baseball players. Like I just saw an article that said like, Jonas Cespedes is going to be good to go in by the start of the season. What? Jonas Cespedes is going to play baseball again? That's amazing. That guy was so cool. Like I love watching him. And then I saw another article. It's like Shohei Otani is going to pitch once a week. Shohei Otani is going to pitch once a week. Like that's incredible. I can't wait for that. Like I'm so psyched to watch baseball. For better or worse, I don't know if it should be happening. I am absolutely going to tune into every game. And like, I mean, right now, you mentioned Cespedes. It reminds me, like, y- Yasiel Puig has to sign immediately with the National League team, right? So he can DH the whole season. Yeah, yeah, like, I'm right, yeah. And that's, I mean, Puig, your DH. Like, he needs to be on a National League team somewhere. And I don't know which team that is, but a, a team needs to pick him up just to DH because now they have, I mean, 15 jobs opened up for Yasiel Puig with the start of this season. That's absolutely, like, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, man, the Dodgers could probably use him. You know, the Dodgers have depth. They, don't, they probably don't want him back. But still, I mean, you know, I don't know. What, what team doesn't want Puig? I'd take Puig. I just throw him on the pod. The Padres have so many bats anyway, and they're so young and exciting. Throw him on the Padres and make that team even better. Just yeah. uh, they're, Powder they're, tag they're, of, of young talent and crazy ass. Yeah. And and Puig getting to hang out in the gaslight, the gas lamp district all yeah, all yeah. season. I, that's, I'd watch. Yeah, that's that's a TV show in itself. All right, Ted, I, I looked it up. That that so I'm I'm gonna try. I'll maybe go there. It's 56 minutes away from where my sister lives. So that's ah, uh, you gotta do it. You gotta do it. I, I you won't. I'm you won't be sorry. You won't be I sorry. I will. And I will I text that, you and I will I let you know. I have. I have been there, like, because you go there once, and it's like, ah, oh, maybe it's a sample size thing. Maybe I was just really hungry. I've now been there, like, six times in my life. Every time, it's like, no, that's Because like, every time I go, I'm like, oh, it's not going to live up to my memory. It, there's no way it's going to be as good as I remembered. And every time I go, it's like, oh, no, that's it. That's the best sandwich. We, uh, so it, when we get you here in St. Louis at some point, we'll, uh, we'll hit up some places there as well. You're doing, so you were doing bar trivia. Now that's obviously moved to online trivia. Where can people find this? Uh, so if you just follow me on Twitter at OG Ted Berg, I will, I will certainly make you aware of it. Um, but we do it. It's, it's via YouTube. Uh, and, and I think, you know, I don't know, it looks like the bars are going to open again pretty soon. Like maybe by July, we'll be back in the bar. So if you happen to be in the New York area, again, certainly follow me on Twitter. You'll, you'll find out about it. All right. And you will also, you knowing you, you'll appreciate this, that I've already uh, mapped out which Taco Bells I'm going to hit up this week, too, as I uh, as I make the four and a half hour drive north. So can I give you a tip? Can I give you a tip? Oh, what's that? So my favorite thing from Taco Bell, which is the beefy nostril loaded griller, seems to have been taken off the menu. Very sadly, um, I have found as a substitute, perhaps just as good. And this is requires some some customization. But the beefy five-layer burrito, um, if you add either Fritos or crispy red strips, and I personally, I go with no sour cream, even though I like sour cream, but just because I need the proportion to be right, I go with no sour cream, and then I add, like, spicy ranch or chipotle sauce, 
it's a really good Taco Bell thing that way. Okay, and I, I mean, I order off the app anyway, so that's yeah. If you're gonna to order do. off the app, it's like a paper dolly. You just put whatever Taco Bell stuff you want together, and so I would say, yeah, beefy, beefy five layer burrito minus the sour cream plus any sauce of your choosing, plus, and this is very important, some sort of crunchy thing. So either the Fritos or the crunchy red strips. Yeah, I I have gotten to the point where I know up when I go up and down uh, 55 Interstate 55. I know that the Pontiac, Illinois Taco Bell is the best Taco Bell from St. Louis to Chicago to stop at. And that's where I have mapped it out to where that's I'll be right there around lunchtime to, on, uh, on Friday. Take that, Peoria Taco Bell. Yep, absolutely. Hey, <laughs> thank you so much, Ted. We will uh, we'll talk soon. Uh, no problem. Thanks for having me. That's Ted Berg, formerly of USA Today, joining us here on Weekend Joe. Driven by Munganass Alton Toyota, Munganass St. Louis Acura, right here on ClavesOnline.com. Hey, also one of our sponsors is Kevin Miller with Caldwell Banker Gundaker. Call him at 314-503-4999 or find him at SmartMoveSTL.com. But I tell you what, hey, if you are looking at buying or selling a home right now, houses are flying off the market. I mean, think of like what the top sales item is at Christmas time, like a, a tickle me Elmo. How as soon as they come in, they're gone. Like that. I mean, they're like beanie babies back in the '90s. The houses right now. I, I had one in my neighborhood sold in an hour for five thousand over the asking price. I mean, houses are being or are, are selling right now within hours of being put on the market. So you need a realtor to get it out there because there are people that are calling Kevin Miller saying, "Hey." This is the kind of house I'm looking for. So as soon as your house goes on there, Kevin, he already has a buyer for it. If you're looking to buy a house, you need to get with Kevin because as soon as he has that dream home for you, he's going to want to sell it to you. He's going to be calling you right away. The houses are going so fast right now. I was texting with him earlier this week, and he said that it's really, I mean, it's crazy how fast these houses are going. So Kevin Miller with Caldwell Banker Gundaker, he's your guy. Call him 314-503-4999 and let him help you buy or sell your home today. Back with Polo Asensio right after this. It's Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Alton Toyota, here on ClavesOnline.com. You're listening to Weekend Joe, now on ClavesOnline.com, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, also sponsored by the Collinsville Auto Body. Collinsville Auto Body, 911 North Bluff Road in Collinsville. Sponsor of, uh, well, my many shows on many different platforms for about 10 years now. Collinsville Auto Body, they'll work with most insurance providers to get you back on the road fast. That's 911 North Bluff Road in Collinsville. Collinsville Auto Body. <laughs> And welcome back into Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Alton Toyota, right here on ClavesOnline.com. And we welcome in our amigo, Polo Asensio. What's up, man? How are you? Hey, you need to say the whole thing. Spanish broadcaster for the Cardinals as of right now. Okay. (laughs) He is... He is your 2018-2019 Spanish play-by-play voice of the St. Louis Cardinals and hopefully 2020 Spanish play-by-play voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Polo Asensio. How's that? Two two things I'm going to say. Munganes, and the other thing is, is it 
really coming back? Is baseball really coming back? Are you sure about that? I mean, as long as people keep wearing their damn masks, I would think so. And are people wearing their masks? I wear mine everywhere. So I do my about, part. I'm not talking about you, Joe. And, and, and by the way, Ray Mysterio masks don't count because they have holes in your mouth and your, <laughs> and your nose. Get this. I have a Sin Cara mask. That oh, works. Oh, okay. Okay, that works. Sin Cara <laughs> works. Sin Cara, <laughs> Sin Cara that, that one really, really, really works. But no, dude, I mean, as you know, always excited to, to talk to you and to, to talk to somebody because my wife and kids, they're like, Dad, can you shut up? Or, or Dad, why don't you call Benji? Or, Dad, why don't you go on Instagram Live because we don't want to hear your voice anymore. So, um, so thank you, Joe. Thank you, thank you so much for giving me an outlet uh, to let it go. And and I mean it, man. Uh, on paper, yeah, we're gonna have a baseball season, but in reality, are we really having baseball? I, I'm, I, you know what? I'm happy. I'm sixty games. I don't care. Like I am, I am so excited for the potential of what a season like how crazy the season could be just being 60 games like that it excites me that this is likely a season that we will never see ever again and i'm i'm all for it i'm you know give it to me and let, let's see what this season becomes joe i know i know that right i know like i said on paper we are gonna have at least 60 games right on paper they tell us but are we really having a game? And what I'm, I'm talking about is people are still getting sick. The, things don't look any better than they looked two, three uh, months ago. Yes, the, the death uh, ratio is going down. Uh, you know, people are not dying as much as, as, as we did uh, two, three months ago. But is this thing uh, under control? I don't know. You know, you, you've seen you see, you've seen all the the new rules and regulations uh, for baseball to start, starting with only players and and, uh, and uh, specific personnel are going to be allowed on the field, in the clubhouse, in the dugout. Media members are not allowed to go anywhere but to their seats and the and the press box. Broadcasters are allowed to go only into their broadcast booth. So. It's going to be, uh, it's going to take one person, and it could be me, it could be Joe, it could be Claves, to get sick, for the ball to roll down, and then what are we going to do? I don't want to be pessimistic. I'm not being pessimistic. I am being realistic because this is a possibility. Like you said, yeah. wear your masks, stay safe, but... Hey, we know that uh, there's a lot of arrogance going around right now and people are going out. People are acting like this is not happening. And that is not good. That is not good for anybody, especially for baseball or sports in general. Yeah, and I, I'm trying to be optimistic about it because I, I, I hear all that and I think, you know, that people need to take that personal responsibility to do the right thing. And I see all of that as, you know what, like I want to see – now, like, okay, you know what? Does it suck that we might not get as much? You know, I, I might not get to cover games. Yeah, sure, it does. But I want to see what behind the scenes look like now. Like, I want to see when, if the broadcasters, if if Rooney and Klaibs and Danny Mack and those guys can't call games on the road from the road, from those stadiums, if they have to stay in St. Louis and call the games from, like, a monitor... 
I kind of want to see what that looks like. I want to see how that's done. And I, 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 the, that part of me, the content creation part of me kind of wants to see how that, how that goes about and see what that broadcast is like and, and kind of hear what that broadcast would sound like. So that's where I guess the optimist in me is, is looking forward to something like that. Well, you're going to be able to hear it. I don't think you're going to be able to be uh, in the booth. I don't think that you're going to be allowed anywhere near anybody else. I, I mean, myself, uh, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to borrow a little bit of your optimism and I am going to say, um, that we are going to have broadcasts in Spanish because we should, right? But in the booth, you know, Benji and I are a lot closer than Benji Molina, my partner in the booth. Uh, we are a lot closer than six feet. You know, the guy, our, our producer, uh, uh, Don uh, Jackson, is, he's right behind us, a lot less than six feet in the booth. So what are the uh, precautions taking uh, or are going to be uh, uh, in place for tier three or tier four, whatever tier we are? Uh, in the list of, of, of tiers from one until uh, infinite, it's going to be an interesting season. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play. I'm going to talk about baseball. Uh, it's going to be a hell of a season. Let's just say that we are going to play 60 games because I hope we play 60 plus the playoffs. This is going to be winter ball on steroids. You know, speaking mm -hmm. of the 1998 uh, 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 documentary the other day with McGuire and, and, and Sosa and all that. This is going to be winter on steroids without the cheerleaders on top of the dugout. Uh, I'm glad uh, Fred Bird is going to be allowed in the stadium. He's going to be the only fan in the stadium for at least the beginning of, of the season in San Luis. I hear that other teams are thinking, are, are asking to bring a few fans in, which, by the way, how ridiculous is that? You're, you've been fighting for three months that you're not going to have any fans uh, all of a sudden, some owners say, hey, well, I guess we can have some fans. So what the heck is that about? But that's for another another guest for another show. So it, it's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be interesting. The, the, I like the DH. I kind of like the, 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 the universal softball rule of starting a, a, the playoffs. I mean, the, the extra innings with somebody at second. I've, I've coached softball, you know, a Little League softball for years. Um, I have it in a couple of years. But, you know, we had to... Uh, be ready for that for that case, and and that's a lot of fun. So it's an element that people are right now they are talking crap about it, but once it gets there, people are gonna like it because it's gonna be a lot more exciting than waiting for the long home run. All you need now it's a base hit and the potential of winning a game. Yeah, and uh, you you talk about the new rules. I am very so. Wait, you you grew up a Dodgers fan, right? Yes, sir. Okay, so. Where do you stand on the DH? I like it. Okay, uh, good. I'm glad we agree on that. I cannot wait to see the DH in all of baseball. I'm so happy for it. I wanted to just, I, I wanted to run a victory lap around my house when they made that rule official because it, it's stupid to be excited about watching pitchers hit. It's just, it's useless. It's dumb. Let me, give me all the offense that you, I can have and the Cardinals seem like they are such a team built to have a DH that they, I, I feel like they're going to benefit from this immediately. All right. Now you need to explain to me why you think that. Why I think why they're the, built the, for. The, yeah. Why do you think the Cardinals are built for that? Who is going to be your DH? What's your one to nine right now? 
One, I mean, it, it could be a variety of, it takes Matt, it, it lets you, if you are set on having Matt Carpenter in the lineup, it allows Matt Carpenter to DH and Tommy Edmond can play third base, which then opens a spot in the outfield for Dylan Carlson. It allows Matt Carpenter to play first base and Paul Goldschmidt can DH every now and then. It it gives you an opportunity to have Bader and Fowler and O'Neill all in the lineup, if that's where you want to go with that. And, and then have Edmund and Carpenter in the lineup too, because when we were back in February looking at the potential one through eight, you looked at that and you said, okay, well, if Carpenter's your third baseman and Edmund's your left fielder, who does that leave out? Who plays center field? Who plays right field? You know, where where do we go with this? I, I think it allows you to put the best defense all over the field for that. It, it gives you an opportunity to, you know, maybe last year we saw Paul DeYoung get off to such a hot start in April and then slow down. Is that because he was playing the field every day? Did he need more days off? Okay, maybe this is a way to give him a day off to keep his bat in the lineup by letting hey, him DH. If, if, anybody, if anybody is not ready to play 60 games, then they shouldn't be playing at all. Well, no, I, but I'm saying I'm talking about just now you, you have that over these 60 games. That, yes, now you have the ability to give those guys a chance to not play the field, but just still keep their bat in the lineup. And you know, there's, there's, there's so many questions when you talk about the DH and the Cardinals, I think, um, I think the Cardinals are one of the teams that even though a lot of people like you think they are perfect for the DH, I am going to be a pessimistic and I'm not going to say they are perfect. They are perfect for mixing and matching for, for, to be, to play DH, you know, and, and again, the questions are the same questions we had last season. I, 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 you know, on the second half of last season, which players are we going to see? Which Matt Carpenter are we going to see? Yeah. Which Harrison Bader are we going to see? Is Tyler O'Neill ready to be that kid that's going to bring us power? Is Lane Thomas coming out of nowhere and taking the center field position from, from Harrison Bader? You talk about Paul Goldschmidt not playing first every day. Why not? He's a gold glover. I don't want anybody else. If, 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 uh, if uh, Paul Goldschmidt is not playing first base for the Cardinals, he better be hurt. Because if somebody else is playing first base for the Cardinals, I, I, I don't want to see it. I don't care who it is, unless it's Albert Pujols back in 10 years ago. You know, I, I don't want to see anybody else playing third base for the Cardinals. I don't want to see anybody playing shortstop for the Cardinals that is not uh, Paul DeYoung or second base with, with Colton Wong. There's a lot of questions when it comes down to yeah. the lineup of the St. Louis hey, Cardinals, notice, even with the DH. Notice that when I went through my whole rant, I never once talked about taking Colton Long out of the defense. So I just want to make that clear that in no, that Colton Long, whatever 60 times nine is, 700 and, or I guess 540 innings, Colton Wong should be out there for every single one of those innings playing second base. There should the not same, be. The same with Paul DeYoung, the same with Paul Goldschmidt, the same with Yadier Molina. I cannot say the same about third baseman, whoever it is. I cannot say the same for the outfield, whoever it is, because, again, maybe I'm being too pessimistic. Maybe being home for four months now, it's getting to my head. But those are questions that, like you said, the defense, we have no problem with Harrison Bader playing center field. His offense, 
He knows it himself. He he has that, that that chip on his shoulder. He has it. He knows that he can do a lot better. Hopefully, we can do a lot better. We have had tastes of Tyler O'Neill. Can he hit the long ball? Yes. But can he strike out a lot? Yes. So which guy are we going to get? Which Dexter Fowler are we going to get? And that, that, those are questions that a lot of the teams have. There's a few National League teams that I feel are geared and ready with the DH position. A team like the Reds. A team like the, like the, like the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. And, I mean, a team like the Dodgers. Nobody in the National League is better than the Dodgers when it comes down to no. DH. And what, what, one of the things, and I, I, I bring it up with one of the other guests we have on this week, is with the DH opening, there's a free agent out there who just had 15 jobs open for him, and that's Yasiel Puig. Uh, that, I mean, I, I, let, me talk, let me stop you right there. What? I, again, you said it. I grew up following the Dodgers. I worked with the Dodgers when he was there. Which Yasiel are you going to get? The Yasiel that's focused or the Yasiel that's going to try to fight everybody and their grandmas? But for 60 games, I mean, to to take a flyer on him, to see how he starts off in a 60-game season, knowing that he's just going to DH, that's worth it though, right? Okay, now you you just did something that I I was not expecting you were going to do because you talked about defense. Yasiel's defense is really good. So if you bring Yasiel to play with the Cardinals, he better be on the field. Oh, I wasn't saying Goldsmith. I wasn't saying the Cardinals. I wasn't saying Puig to the Cardinals. I'm just talking ah, about how there's ah, openings on ah, any oh, team. Ah, okay. Oh yeah, they, 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 the Giants can sign him. Fantastic. Hey, San Francisco, take him. Next point. <laughs> so are you exactly. wait, are you a are you a fan of Puig or not a fan of Puig? Is Puig your friend? Next point. Next point. Puig not your friend? I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> Next point. <laughs> See, Paul, if we were face to face right now, Polo, I would I would keep pressing you on this until I got an answer. If you had your camera on right now, if you had your video on right now and I was looking at you, I would have a much better idea of what your answer was and I don't like that uh, that we don't the, have <laughs> And I he just, just put, turned his camera. I uh, just turned. All right, let's What do you want to know? That's a nice hoodie by the way. That is a hey, really nice hoodie. Right? Look at that. That is Let me Yeah, well, I mean People can look at that. Uh, this is it's messy right now, but that's that's you know that's a little bit of my stuff. Uh, hey, I have a Hulk Hogan sign uh, uh, belt over there. It's pretty cool. Oh, so. that. So I, when you look at so you know we're, we're we're talking about all of the different possibilities for the season. One of the things that you you know I think you and I both have kind of touched on here and there in in this discussion so far is. With a 60-game season, you keep mentioning, you know, which guy is going to show up. Is it going to be the good or the bad? And when you talk about a short season, another thing, too, is you have that taxi team that's going to be coming from Springfield. How quick will Mike Schilt and John Moselak be to go to that? Like, If a guy starts off in the first five games really bad, how quick are you going, you know what, hey, go to Springfield, we're bringing somebody else in. You know, 60 games each game, if you want to look at it, I mean, each game is worth – three times as much as what a regular season game would be. Look, the best thing, since we're talking about, see, at first I thought we were talking about the, the Cardinals. That's why when, when you asked Puig, I'm like, next question, because I don't want to talk about Yasiel Puig. Um, and, and right now, I'm going to talk about everybody in the league. 
it will be in the best interest of every single club to bring people with winter ball experience because winter ball league is that fast. If you don't produce the first five games, 10 games, you are gone. I'm not saying anybody's going to get rid of players, but like you said, hey, bring him up, bring him down. I really like what the Cardinals did, bringing back uh, Cheito, Jose Okendo, to be with the big club and with the guys at Springfield because he has that experience. You know, players like Rangel Ravelo, he has that experience. Players like Carlos Martinez, like Giovanni Gallegos, like, like Jovel, Jovel Jimenez, our, our, our hitting instructor, our assistant, he is going to be very important because he knows the urgency that players and teams play with in winter ball. And that's what we have to see this, this time around in the big leagues because 60 games are going to go by really, really fast. So you need somebody like that to tell the manager or talk to, to, uh, talk to Mo and say, hey, you know, this guy is not producing. His, his swing is not going to get better in two days. Let's, let's move him. Let's bring somebody else or let's give somebody a chance that it's already in the club, you know? Yeah, and that's I, the, of the names that you mentioned with the Cardinals roster, it seems like those guys would be mostly on the pitching staff. So yeah. that's and, and the Cardinals pitching staff is deep enough how it is that, I mean, you really could see a lot of movement there in 60 games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and then you have another guy that uh, that is with us that I think he should be in the, in the big league club. If you ask me, obviously, if he's healthy and he's ready to go. Uh, Edmundo Sosa. Edmundo Sosa, he's one of the guys who's been in the bubble the last couple of years. He was the, the, the hitting champion of the Dominican League, you know, in winter ball, which was six months ago, which that's weird that we started the season after six months. But little details like that, you, you need to be careful. And, and I think the team that <laughs> stays healthy, and I'm not talking about, you know, thigh injury, elbow injury. Of course, those are, you know, those come with baseball. But the team with the least cases of COVID and the most experience in winter ball is going to be a team that's going to be playing for the, for the World Series at the end. It, it's going to be interesting, Joe. It's going to be interesting. Like, like you said, and, and you probably read the, uh, the manual. That it's like 101 pages. I read some of it, not all of it. And, and the players are going to be tested twice a day and all this other stuff. Imagine you go to the World Series, right? You're the Cardinals. Well, I'm not going to put the jinx on the Cardinals. Uh, any team, any team. Let's go back to, uh, uh, let's say the Cubs. Okay, the Cubs are in the playoffs. All of a sudden, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, John Lester, and somebody else get sick with COVID. They have to be out for 14 days, no matter what. Yeah. So what happens? They're out of the World <clears throat> Series. They're out of the playoffs because of COVID. And, and COVID is not something that, you can really, pre- I mean, you can prevent it, but it's something that you can spread it. You know, if you get hurt from your shoulder, you cannot pass it on to somebody else. If you get uh, hit with COVID, you can pass it on to the whole team in one cough. So the team who is the most careful is going to be, is going to be way up there. That's why, like I said before, winter bowl is so exciting because any team can win it. And now with 60 games to play, any team can get to the playoffs, and then once in the playoffs, hey, as healthy as you can and as 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 inside your uh, your hotel as you can, because it's it's not gonna be fun for your fan base if you are the player who infects everybody because 
you wanted to go out and have a steak. It's uh, yeah, it, those are the things that I mean, I think we're seeing that already in, in some of the other sports that these that these people have to look at. And well, you and I were, were both big wrestling fans. I mean, we're seeing it now with yeah. the uh, the huge spike that we're seeing in AEW and WWE that it has uh, it has finally made its way into those locker rooms at a much larger level than anything that's been previously reported. And there, there are some instances where it might have been people being irresponsible. I, I think one of the interviewers came out and said that she had it in March and thought that she was good and now just tested positive again for it this past week. So it's it's one of those where you, you and I mentioned it earlier, personal responsibility. People have to realize that their actions will affect many, many others. I mean, one thing is for sure, before I fly to St. Louis, whenever that is, uh, if that's the case that I'm going to be flying in, um, I'm going to get tested. You know, I, I am going to take that responsibility for myself and for the for the well-being of others around me. At least if I know that I am good, then at least I know that I can keep protecting myself and, and, and try to stay good. Now, if I come back that I am sick, then you know what? I'll stay back and say, hey, uh, sorry, I, I came back sick. You know, that's the other thing is for everybody. And this is and this will affect a lot of people. And as you know, a lot of the broadcasters, uh, radio and TV, not only with the Cardinals but other teams, are are older gentlemen, older you know ladies that work in the in the, in the broadcast uh, uh, booth and, and production teams. We need to be really careful. You know, in, in our case, you know, with with Claiborne and Danny Mac and Jimmy Edmonds, who had it, uh, 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 Jim Hayes, uh, TV. Uh, like I said, um, uh, Mike Shannon, Rooney, Claiborne. I mean, all of us, Benji and myself, we need to be really careful around us because what happens if I get sick? Then, you know, somebody else needs to come in and, and do and call the games. I mean, may, maybe Benji can do it. I don't know. If Benji gets sick, can I do it without Benji? I don't know. So there's a lot of little details around the game of baseball. And that is the other thing. When I tell people, Joe, I miss baseball. Yes, I miss the game of baseball, but I miss people around it. You know, I miss John Rooney. I miss you. I, I miss Claiborne. I miss Shannon. I miss Danny Mack. I miss Benji Molina. I miss people around the stadium. That's, to me, that, that is what baseball, I even smelled the rotten smell of hot dogs. You know, it's like, like I, 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 I miss that smell. That is baseball to me. For fans, it means going to the stadium, talking to their parents, talking to the kids, listening to you and everybody else on the radio rant about how bad decision that was to pull Jack Flaherty in the seventh inning. You know, it's, it's, it's a different uh, perspective everywhere you go. And at the end, as much as we don't want to see it, we are at the mercy of the virus and at the mercy of others taking care of themselves. Because like we said from the beginning, if people, if we don't take care of ourselves, chances are larger or bigger that we are going to get the virus and spread it. I'm not saying that if I wash my hands and go with a mask and a PPE suit everywhere I go, I'm not going to get it. But at least I am trying to protect myself and protect anybody who's around me. And we can talk about baseball for hours, for days, for months, for years. But if the, vi the virus comes, everything goes to, to the wayside, man. By the way, uh, you, you mentioned all that. Uh, you mentioned Jack Flaherty. From what we have seen him on social media these past few months, what do you, what's your takeaway from from how we have seen 
him, uh, I guess, reacting to some of the news or interacting with some of the other players around baseball? You know, he, he's a very passionate kid. What you see on the mound is what you see, uh, um, what you get from Jack Flaherty. And in front of him, he has somebody who's been like that since ever and lately even more with social media in, in Yadier Molina. Somebody who encourages players to speak the, their mind and to to do stuff that they know is going to be better for them and for society. You know, with Jack, we see with the with the Black Black Lives Matter movement. Yes, I know that all lives matter. Yes, I, my I am not black. I'm Latino. My life matters. Joe, you're you're white as a ghost. Your life matters. But this point right now. We need to focus on our black brothers and sisters because, like it or not, that is where, where, where things are happening that we don't like to see. And Jack, in case you didn't know, he is half black, you know, and he feels the need to put it out there and to, to showcase everything he feels and he thinks about with he is using his power as an athlete, as a very popular athlete to put it out there for people to see that we need to help each other. And right now, yes, we all need help. But right now, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not hard for you to turn on the TV and see it. I don't care what channel you watch. You can watch Fox or NBC or CNN or C-SPAN or MTV. It's everywhere. And that is what he's doing. He's putting it out there and I'm with him, man. I am with him. I am with him. Uh, uh, being a, a, an immigrant, I've been through... A lot of things that people don't know, but you know what? I don't let those things keep me down. As you know, I like to uh, to speak and loud and clear, and that's what I'm doing, and that's what I'm doing, and that's why I'm right next to Jack and right next to all the players and all the people. They are looking for a change in in in, in society right now, and hopefully, we get it. So I am I am with Jack, 100 percent. Very well said, Polo. I uh, I hope that uh, that you and I can see each other in person here in the uh, in the very near future. Hopefully, here in uh, in St. Louis. As long as you wear your mask, it's all good. And I'm got, talking about because a... you're so you're so ugly. I don't want to see your face, bro. All right, I, I will I will put my I'll bring my Sin Cara mask just for I you. I do like that Don Quixote look, man, with the with the beard and the long Thank hair. You. Yeah. Maybe, hey, maybe I can be Sancho Panza. I can be right next to you in a horse. I could. I, I almost got enough to put it up at a uh, in a man bun. No, don't, uh, don't, don't do that. If you do that, I will lose. Well, I don't have any respect for you, but yeah, but don't do it. Don't do it, bro. <laughs> I, I when I I can put it back. I can put it back in a uh, in a hair tie, but it just there's not enough to put up top and the uh, yeah. The top no, of the don't, head don't, yet. don't, don't, don't. Please don't, Joe. Please don't, don't. It's, don't do it. I'm sorry. It's already happened before. Oh I, uh, no! Don't be that yeah, guy. Please don't. Sorry. Don't. I, I have enough. I, I have enough of you doing marathons and all that stuff that you do. That, by the way, you look amazing, my my friend. I didn't use the quarantine to lose weight. I can tell you that much. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you keep doing you, man. Happy for you. Proud of you. But whatever you do, don't do the man bun. Don't, please, Joe. I, I will I will upset you one of these days. Jeez. I can promise that. Polo, thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Anytime, Joey. And hey, everybody stay safe. Can't wait to see you all at some point in St. Louis. And hey, let's go cards and let's go humanity, man. We can do this. Come on. And me amigo, Polo Asensio here on Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass Alton Toyota, Munganass St. Louis Acura. 
right here on ClavesOnline.com. Hopefully, I will uh, be getting a chance to work with Polo again here very, very soon as we uh, as we hope for the start of baseball season coming uh, coming out. Hey, it's the Munganess St. Louis Acura Red, White, and Blue sale. It started now. Come in 0.9% APR for up to 72 months on select new cars. Uh, if you're an owner of a 2010 or newer Acura, they can ask one of the sales consultants about the Acura loyalty offer. You can receive up to $3,000 towards a uh, cap cost reduction or down payment assistance. Munganass St. Louis Acura here for you. Let them help get you into that new Acura that you've been dreaming of. Give them a call 314-822-2872 or find them online at stlouisacura.com. Uh, you can uh, get with them and set up an appointment uh, now before the 4th of July. Take a break. Come back with Tab Bamford talking more baseball, Chicago-style baseball, right after this on Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Alton Toyota. It's ClavesOnline.com. This is Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, right here on ClavesOnline.com. Hey, have you thought about uh, buying or selling your home here in St. Louis? Well, Kevin Miller with Caldwell Banker Gundaker, he can help you out in doing so. Been selling and buying homes for well, a few decades now. You can call him at 314-503-4999. That's 314-503-4999. That's Kevin Miller with Caldwell Banker Gundaker. <laughs> And welcome back into Weekend Joe here on ClavesOnline.com. We are driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Alton Toyota, talking a lot of baseball today because, uh, well, it's finally back, or at least close to coming back. And uh, the uh, the Cardinals' schedule this year, it's going to be unique with the 60 games being played, and that means a lot of games against Chicago teams, the Cubs, and the White Sox, and to talk about that, and to talk just baseball in general, formally with LaVita Baseball, he is Tab Bamford, and he joins us now. Tab, what's going on, man? It's great to chat with you. Hopefully uh, hopefully we've got actual games to discuss in the not-too-distant future. That's I'm hoping, too. I, I got to say, so, uh, Tab, I've had you on before, but I, I got I to gotta tell the listeners about how we actually met face-to-face for the first time and that was last year during the NLCS uh, as we were up in the press box at Bush Stadium. And I, what was it, about three or four innings? We were probably sitting right next to each other. And then we went in to uh, go get concessions from somewhere and ran into each other there. And we ended up talking, I want to say, for about an inning or two. And then we walked back to our seats and we realized we were sitting right next to each other the whole time. Yeah, one of those fun things. If you haven't been in a press box before, a lot of folks know each other. Uh, they they're familiar with other folks, but when you get into a playoff scenario or an All Star game scenario, there's lots of national folks that show up and lots of out of town folks, and so lots of the local and, and regional people have their kind of established spots in the press box. Some of them get moved to a little bit more preferential when. Uh, when the playoffs start because the home team likes to make good by their local folks. But uh, you, you don't spend a ton of time uh, staring at the name tags around you. And a lot of times it might, they'll have a seating chart on the wall and they'll just have whatever outlet is sitting somewhere. 
And so you don't always, when you look and find where you're at, it may have your name, but more times than not, it has who you're writing or broadcasting on behalf of. And so I think we looked at the titles of our respective employers at the time and took a seat and chatted a little bit. And of course it was a little tenuous because I think that was the night that the Cardinals almost got no hit. Uh, but uh, that yeah. was every game in that series. I feel like, <laughs> well, uh, there's a good reason that the Washington nationals won the world series and it has to do with that starting rotation. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was funny because we, we started talking with a couple other folks when we went to grab some of that good Bush stadium popcorn. And when we got back to our seats, I think we both kind of glanced over like that awkward, all right, I've been talking to you for 10 minutes. What's your name? Because this is weird. And realized who each other was and had to just laugh at ourselves for the rest of the uh, inning because it was finally put a handshake and a voice with a name after all these years. Yeah, and it's also weird, too. And this is I, I'm sure people can can understand this because a lot of times, you know, people from social media, from Twitter and you only have that little avatar to go off of or whatever pictures they have to go off of. And then when you get into that setting at, at a ball game, people aren't going to be dressed or look that, that exact same way. So I, there's a lot of that, too, where you look and you go, wait a second. Yeah, that is where I know you from. And if it's not somebody that's on TV constantly that you see, yeah, you, you there there is a lot of confusion or a lot of, oh, I, that is, yeah, you know what, we have we have talked before, haven't we? Yeah, I, I assume that you probably thought that I was at least six feet tall and had a full head of hair. And then you get you get in the press box and all the lies are told. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said, that's the thing. My, I think my picture is me in like a suit and a tie. And that's something that might happen twice a year. So it, it's, you know, it's one of those where I'm just, I'm putting false pretenses out there as far as what I look like too. So it, it happens for everybody. Oh, of course. And some of us haven't updated it in a few years because, well, a few years ago, we looked a hell of a lot better than we do now. <laughs> well, that's and now I don't think I, I don't know if we're going to get the opportunity to see anybody in, in a press box this year with the way games are going first. So you are you're out of Chicago. Yep. What and I, I saw I saw that Wrigley is expecting to have the rooftops possibly open that. I, I still call it Comiskey is planning 20% uh, attendance at their games, but then it all comes down to the mayor. What, what as of right now, what are you expecting attendance wise for those two stadiums to look like? So without wandering down a, a political road, because that's where these conversations usually start and end right. and angry and unhappy. Um, full credit to, uh, the governor in Illinois, he, he's been conservative in the eyes of many to a fault, but our numbers have consistently been going the direction that you want them to go. And so um, getting everybody to wear masks in public is still a tricky proposition. And I think that the fact that we have now just short of a month until they're hoping to have teams on the field, uh, obviously a lot can change. Um, you're seeing in states like Texas and Florida, certainly that the hopes and expectations of having people in the seats may ultimately not happen. Um, I'm sure the Tampa Bay Rays would love to be at 20% capacity for a lot of home games. Um, but 
Chicago's going the right direction. And I think that obviously the hope of having somebody in the stands uh, is something that every professional sports team would love to have. If Chicago keeps trending the way that it is, I think obviously there are going to be some unique circumstances. Concessions is going to be a tricky thing. Uh, how many, how you staff this, the ballpark is going to be tricky. Obviously, you know, you're not going to want to have people drinking uh, with intent in a situation like that. But obviously that happens a lot of times at baseball games when you're going as a fan. So it, it's going to be a, a tricky proposition. I think it's going to be really hard to imagine that any team is going to have all of their games open to any fans this year. Uh, but I think obviously owners with any more money they can make. And since money was the biggest sticking point uh, in the debacle, that's been the conversations figuring out when they can get back on the field. Um, any team that can make more money, obviously is going to be at a financial advantage, but uh, you're just adding, even if it's 8,000 fans, which is about what 20% would be at for the Sox and Cubs, that's 8,000 more variables that you have to deal with when you think about, how close they can get to fans or how fans can get to the field uh, and how the players are going to be open to, uh, you know, just being around fans after the game. Not every ballpark has got a closed off area where fans can not see players in some way, shape or form working out before the game or going to their car after the game. So that's any way that you look at it. It's going to be hard to imagine a scenario where, the players are going to be thrilled about having a lot of fans there just from a health perspective, talking to NHL players, talking to MLB players, all of them want to have a packed house every night. Obviously with the NHL looking at having bubble cities and having all of their playoffs in one place with no fans, that's going to be different than anything we've ever seen in any sport. Um, and certainly I think the NBA hopes, although I'm not sure Orlando and the state of Florida are doing the NBA any favors with the way that they're trending right now. But, um, you know, when you've got travel involved for these guys going to different cities like baseball is planning on doing, there's just there's a ton of variables. And at the bottom of the conversation, you just have to keep in mind that these are human beings that need to stay healthy to stay on the field. And one guy getting it means everyone else in that clubhouse is exposed to it. Um, And that's not a good thing for the athletes, much less many of the managers who, whether you're Joe Madden or Dusty Baker, David Ross in Chicago, got a really wide age gap and and not all of them are going to want to be exposed. So um, that's a really long winded answer, but, obviously owners want to have people in the seat so that they can make money. Fans feel like they get more out of the experience being there. And the idea of only 20% of capacity makes, gives you kind of that idea that it might be a more intimate setting, though the Sox have 20% for some weeknight games during the year. Um, But at the end of the day, health has to be paramount in any of this conversation. And so um, whether or not they actually get fans into the seats in Chicago is I think still a TBD reality they can plan for it. But I think as you watch things play out, ultimately it's going to be hard to imagine a scenario where they have many fans if they do it all. Yeah. And I mean, imagine how, how exclusive of a ticket that would be. Uh, You're talking about only 8,000 people being allowed to go watch a game at, at Wrigley going to watch a a Cubs Cardinal game. 
uh, those, uh, unfortunately, those owners will be able to kind of set the ticket price to whatever they want. And those, I mean, people will still go. I mean, you'll find 8,000 people in Chicago that will want to go to that game bad enough to where they're, they're, they're willing to spend top dollar. Which is true, but there, there is, uh, there is a lot of, uh, ambiguity f- from fans at this point about whether or not you'd want to be part of that 8,000. So I, I agree with you that in theory, if there are only 8,000 tickets available, theoretically the demand should be incredibly high, but not knowing a, if the players are going to be healthier on the field that when you buy the tickets uh, and then also whether or not anyone that you sit within five rows of is going to be healthy at the time, I mean, that, there, there's, again, tons of variables going on, but it, will, it, it is going to be really interesting to watch both how teams price the tickets and how they make their season ticket holders happy. I know earlier today the Astros sent out a, an email to their season ticket holders. Uh, uh, Jesus Ortiz, who used to be in St. Louis, now back down in Houston, reported earlier today um, that the Astros sent a, an email out to their season ticket holders that they're just forwarding all of their funds over to a 2021 plan already. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting. To, again, there's so many variables that I think most of us never even thought about considering. Um, obviously, there are going to be corporate sponsors that are going to want in. You're going to have season ticket holders that want in. Who gets priority? What's the secondary market going to look like? And, and do fans really want to be there, um, depending on the state? Uh, you know, I think if you're feeling pretty good about things like we are in Chicago right now, it's a little easier to think about going to a game uh, than it would be in Miami or Tampa or, or Houston or Arlington, Texas. But, uh, but it's going to be fascinating to watch the business side of baseball uh, as we get going because some cities are going to be more able to have fans in the seats than others. Are you excited about the way the schedule is going to play out this year with just playing the your own division and then the American League or the National League version of that division as well? Absolutely. I, I think it's going to be good for the game because you're going to have some regional rivalries or uh, at least fans that coexist in the same space that may not always be able to see their favorite players. And I think for us in the Central Division, uh, the White Sox have got a really exciting young team. And Luis Roberts going to be up this year, the young Cuban center fielder for the White Sox, who a lot of people think could be the American League Rookie of the Year. It'll be exciting for Cardinal fans to see him. Yon Mankata is kind of taking that step that everybody thought he was going to do in Boston and becoming like an MVP-type guy. Um, Jose Abreu is still phenomenal. Eloy Jimenez is a ton of fun to watch. So St. Louis fans are going to be able to see some really talented guys from the American League Central side. And in Chicago, you know, being able to see Francisco Lindor come to town more than just the games that he plays against the White Sox, uh, his relationship with Javi Baez is amazing. Those two guys are great friends off the field. Uh, Minnesota coming into town, uh, Jose Barrios, their ace, is Javier Baez's brother-in-law. And so having those two guys chirping each other is going to be great. Uh, he got Javi to pop out in an all-star game, if I remember right. He's either pop out or strike out, and he, he still chirps at him about that. Um, so having some of those relationships be able to play out the same thing, Barrios and Lindor played with Yadi Molina for Puerto Rico in the last World Baseball Classic. At all-star games, especially in D.C., 
There were so many guys that came off of that World Baseball Classic, Los Rubios team that were so close. Yachty was kind of the, the ringleader with those young younger guys and took them all out on the town in, in D.C. at the All-Star Game let, a, a year ago. So you're going to have a lot of uh, really fun relationships be able to play out and guys that are really friendly with each other. And you're going to be able to see some really, really good, exciting talent. If, if Detroit brings up some of their young pitchers like Casey Mize, you're going to be able to see some really good young prospects coming up. And the, just the fact that you've got so many people in the Midwest, especially in Big Ten country, that live in different places. People from Ohio come to Chicago. People from Chicago move to Milwaukee, Minnesota. Same deal. So you've got fans that are transient within all these cities that I think are going to make for a really fun opportunity if the bars are open or certainly with your friends down the block to be able to chirp about how your team's doing against somebody else's favorite players. Yeah. You, you, you went in depth about the White Sox and I am a, uh, I'm, I'm a White Sox fan growing up on the South side of Chicago and seeing the, the young energetic team that they have coming up, but then it, it kind of shifts into wondering it, it could go one of two ways. Either the season can be way too short for them to gel or they're so young that they don't know anybody and they don't know that they're supposed to be young and experienced guys and they just go off and they, they win the AL central. I mean, in, in a short season, there are so many variables that, that it's, it is going to be fun to play out, even though we're not getting that full season. Yeah. Well, and especially on the white Sox side of things, um, Frankly, a 60-game season starting at the end of July is actually, it could, again, all of this is theoretical, but it, it could benefit the White Sox and play into their hands perfectly because one of their top pitching prospects, Michael Kopech, who they also got from Boston in the Chris Sale deal, uh, which that could ultimately prove to be an absolute haul uh, between Kopech and Mankata. Uh, but, I mean, this is a young guy who's got filthy stuff. He touches 100 on the gun with regularity. So think the starter version of Jordan Hicks down there in St. Louis. He had Tommy John a year and a half ago and sat out all of last year uh, after getting a real brief taste of Major League Baseball. Uh, this is a kid who a lot of people think the world of. He's got a big-time arm. He's a special player. And they were looking at if they were playing 162, looking at some unique ways, kind of like Washington did with Steven Strasburg a number of years ago, how do we limit his innings and put ourselves in the best position to win, hopefully into September and ultimately October with this young guy making an impact? Now that you're cutting the season at 60 games, if you theoretically roll a five-man rotation, you're going to get 10 to 13 starts out of these guys max. So the White Sox aren't going to have to worry about limiting his innings at all. Um, they'll probably still have some kid gloves on him, but uh, you know this is a guy who – uh, has all the talent in the world. And if they can roll them out there every fifth day, that's just going to benefit a rotation that really started to show some signs last year of having something in it. And people forget, this is the fun part about a, that teams went out and spent their money in the offseason. The White Sox also added Dallas Keuchel. Yep. Now you've got Lucas Giolito, who obviously was an all-star last year and finished, I think, third in the Cy Young voting. So you got Giolito at the front with then Dallas Keuchel, Dylan Cease, who they got with Eloy Jimenez in the, in the trade for Jose Quintana, who's a nice piece. And then adding Kopech to that mix, the White Sox actually have a, a pretty intriguing rotation going into it. And like I said, they don't have to worry about Cease or Kopech being young pitchers, limiting their innings at all and being able to roll them out there and let them fly. 
it, it could play into their hands really well and they could actually pay dividends long term because they won't have to worry about backing them off to every eight or nine days in the dog days of the summer because they don't exist now. And then on the other side of town, on the north side with the Cubs, who who I imagine White Sox or Cardinal fans, I should say, are much more intrigued about David Ross being a first time manager going from basically the field to the broadcast booth right to uh, right to the bench. A short season. What do you think that does for a uh, for a first time manager? Well, like you said earlier, it, it's the all time catch 22 because every mistake is going to be amplified because you don't have time to screw up by a lot. Mm-hmm. And so um, it could be great. He could have not have enough time to overthink it. Uh, he could be more. Uh, it could be easier for a first time manager because you don't have the pressure of the long season. But at the same time, a three or four game losing streak could in a 60 game sprint be enough to drag out. And so it's going to be a test on him uh, to establish himself as a manager for the first time in the major leagues. And the unique proposition with him is the incredible relationships that he had with the young guys on the Cubs when he was playing with them, when they won the world series in 2016, I mean, he's grandpa Rossi. Uh, this is the dude that was, uh, you know, crotch bumping with Wilson Contreras after hitting a home run in the world series. And, and joking around with all these guys when he was a broadcaster, having you know, the time of his life on Dancing with the Stars and everything else. And now he's the guy calling the shots. Now he's going to have to go out there, and he's not John Lester's personal catcher. He's telling John Lester he's done after five and a third, or four and two-thirds, or seven. And John Lester's not a guy who ever wants to come out of a game, much less be told that by a guy who's been his friend for years. And so it's, it, it'll, be, it'll be very interesting to see how he – navigates things in again it's going to be a sprint it's not going to be the marathon that we usually have for baseball and every decision that managers make is going to be amplified because every win and loss is going to be more critical because you have such a short window to get it done so i I think he'll benefit from those relationships he's been a great communicator in the past obviously did a great job on television Uh, but those communication skills are going to be desperately needed because what he wants to have that culture be post joe madden is a big deal uh, Joe Madden obviously was the first manager in more than 100 years to win a World Series in Chicago, and the players love him, much like Joel Quinville with the Blackhawks. And replacing a legend uh, is is a tough job. It's a tall order, no matter who you are. And so it, it'll be fascinating during this 60-game season to see how David Ross makes that transition from buddy and teammate to boss. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we, we're, we're sitting here on Thursday recording this. It's going to air on Saturday. So right now, we don't know what the schedule is going to be and how it's going to lay out. Do you think the way the games are scheduled is going to be important when it comes to making any kind of predictions on the year or just knowing the, the opponents? Do you think that's good enough to kind of give an idea of what, how we think these teams will finish? Well, it- you can lay out a schedule, you know, 12 hours in advance or six months in advance. The reality is that you, you got to play the games and you don't, the variable that we don't know about now. And I think the variable is the word of the year for professional sports, whether it's basketball, hockey, baseball, or football, which is hopefully coming at some point. But the, the great unknown is who stays healthy. And what is always true in professional sports is, you have to beat the team that shows up to play against you. 
And so we don't know how pitching rotations are going to line up. Obviously, I think every team would love to avoid Barrios when Minnesota comes to town. Every team would love to avoid you Darvish now that he's fully healthy and rocking again when Chicago comes to town. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how teams navigate their rotations. I think everybody's going to want to, you want to avoid Jack Flaherty any way that you possibly can. He's a, he's a stud. And I think the short season could be a great launching point for Flaherty. If the Cardinals do what they should, you know, to jump straight front and center into that Cy Young conversation in the national league. Um, but if you can avoid the ace of the team that you're playing against, that's going to benefit everybody. And you're going to see, especially with the American League side for National League teams and vice versa, when you're playing the other division, you're only going to get a three and three, it looks like. So if you, if you can go three, four, five starter instead of one, two, three, that's a huge difference. Um, and I think everybody would love to see that. So uh, it, it, it's, it's for those who are wagering, uh, those who have uh, the itch to go spend some money in advance, uh, it's going to be real hard to figure that out this year. Again, not knowing who's going to be healthy and on the field, how managers are going to use their lineups, especially now that you're going to, it appears to have a designated hitter in the national league um, and how you avoid uh, the aces because it, every, I think every team has the expectation that their ace is the guy who's going to go win them, you know, eight of 10 or 10 of 13. That's your hope. Uh, or at least pitch well enough that you can win those you know, 10 to 13 starts that that guy's able to give you. If you can avoid that guy, it's going to make life easier on everybody. But you got you to gotta wait to see how the schedule plays out. And God forbid it rains because then everything goes in the toilet and you got to figure out how you're, how you're going to navigate a doubleheader and keep everybody in one piece for that. That's uh, Tab Bamford, our guest here on Weekend Joe. Uh, Tab, where can, uh, where can folks find your work these days? Uh, absolutely. Uh, you wander over to the, the Twitters uh, at the one tab is, is where I'm at on Twitter, uh, doing some writing for Chicago now, still doing hockey stuff. Uh, so I'm sure we'll probably talk hockey when they get back on the ice uh, with the fourth period and committed Indians.com up here in Chicago uh, and really enjoying uh, being able to talk about sports again and not, uh, not just the, the scientific trends. And again, all of this is great, and it's really great to get back with you, Joe, and, and talk sports. But uh, if we don't take care of ourselves between now and the end of July, uh, all of these uh, great conversations that we enjoy having could be moot. So uh, here's hoping everybody can stay healthy and everybody takes care of themselves so that we can actually have sports to watch uh, and sports to digest and, and break down and talk about before and after here in the not-too-distant future. 100% agree with you, Tab. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thanks, Joe. That's Tab Bamford, our guest here on Weekend. Joe, formerly with La Vida Baseball, uh, you could find his work, as he just told you, uh, where you could find a lot of his uh, a lot of his work or go to the one tab on Twitter and find him there as well. Hey, uh, one of our sponsors here on Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass Alton Toyota, Munganass St. Louis Acura, are the folks at Collinsville Auto Body. 911 North Bluff Road in Collinsville is where you can find them. They will help get you back on the road fast. Any kind of accident that you uh, you find yourself in, they work with most insurance providers to get you back on the road fast. Hey, also the Inskip Law Firm, another sponsor here. Don't hesitate to call the Inskip Law Firm in uh, St. Louis for all of your estate planning, your wills, your trust, your power of attorneys. 
Corey Inskip at the Inskip Law Firm is committed to your satisfaction. Call him, tweet him, Facebook him, email him, any way that you need to. That's Inskip Law Firm, I-N-S-K-I-P Law Firm. And remember, the choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertising. Take a break. Come back with Crack Slippers right here on Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass Alton Toyota, Munganass St. Louis Acura. It's ClavesOnline.com. Recent events have shown that life can turn in an instant. This has caused many people to realize that estate planning is essential. The Inskip Law Firm is here to help with everything from trusts and wills to power of attorney, deeds, and probate. They have systems in place to service your needs without having to have an in-person consultation, flat fees so that you know what you're paying ahead of time, and they make the whole process easy. Call now, 314-818-0344. Just a quick chat and you decide together what services are right for your situation. That's the Inskip Law Firm, I-N-S-K-I-P. And remember, the choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertising. Final segment here of Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Alton Toyota, right here on ClavesOnline.com. Joe Roderick, Andy Hanselman, here with you for the uh, for the final segment. Hey, before we get in to the uh, to the final segment here of Crack Slippers. Just quickly want to uh, talk about the fine folks at Munganass Alton Toyota. Hey, their 4th of July sale is going on right now at Munganass Alton Toyota. They have great leasing offers with low monthly payments, 90 days deferred payments on new cars or certified used cars with low APRs starting at 0% for 60 months. That's the 4th of July sale going on right now at Munganass Alton Toyota. Go on by and uh, see their uh, sales staff or give them a call. 618-208-2400. That's 618-208-2400 at Munganass Alton Toyota. So Andy, I, I got yeah. I heard that I heard that Jamie is giving away a $100 gift certificate if you come by for a test drive over to that little yellow fireworks stand across the Clark Bridge. What? I'm kidding. I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. Not, like, I, I, I got to stop you and Claves both. I mean, Claves is trying to give out Jamie's cell phone number on the lunch show. <laughs> you're you're talking about whatever firework tents over there in West Alton on the uh, on the uh, once you cl- cross the bridge over there. Yellow trailer, I, my, right there on the right hand side. Goodness, the year. God, you you and Claves both are just I mean, you guys are making me work harder to uh to, on, on all this stuff with Jamie and it's it I'm the one that deals with the man. Like this is <laughs> this is what's frustrating about it is I'm the one that deals with Jamie and and you guys are just out there just spitting out spouting out information and I I'm the one that has to text him and deal with him and and everything else. Goodness gracious. Just God, I, I'm going to get a text for that. I'll, I'll probably go Monday and I'll get a text about it. It's it's going to come. Oh, Andy, give give me the give me the intro to to Crack Slippers, would you? Some stories just aren't meant to hit the mainstream news. We picked those stories up here on Weekend Joe. These are the Crack Slippers with Joe Roderick on Claims Online. 
All right. So I wanted to uh, first. Okay, we all played. We I, I will I, I will save the uh, I will save the best for last here. But how how many people? I, I mean, I know you did. I know I did. We all played NBA Jam as kids, right? You're on fire. Who was your go-to team on NBA Jam? Oh, I don't even remember, Joe. It's been that long since I played it. Really? Hey, I'm gonna guess Shaq and the Magic. I, I can't remember if Shaq was on NBA Jam. I always went with the Suns because it was Dan Marley and I think it was Kevin Johnson, and they were the the two of them. You just popped threes from the uh, from the wing all game. So we so we actually got my brother and I. We chipped in. We both bought the original version back in like 1994 for mm-hmm. our Sega Genesis. Hmm. And so I think you had Shaq on the Magic. I very I, I I know there were some cases where there were other teams that were uh, there were some that were different versions of it with that. But here, so get this. I guess this is an old story, but I I'm hearing about it for the uh, for the first time today that the creator of NBA Jam, Andy has come out and i guess again this story like i went and i looked up this story after i saw it posted today and the story dates all the way back to 2017 when it was first discovered the creator of nba jam was a michigan man so that made him a huge fan of the detroit pistons now you remember when this game came out it was a during when when this game was at its peak popularity it was when the bulls were winning six titles right The creator of NBA Jam put a code, programmed a code into the game that if you were playing as the Chicago Bulls against the Detroit Pistons, any last second shot you took would miss. <laughs> and I guess that was after after the uh, you know the, the Pistons were the, were the king of the were the kings of the NBA through the late eighties. And in the early '90s, the uh, the Bulls had had dethroned the uh, the Pistons. So yeah, it was mad. Like I mean, I again, I never really, I didn't play with the Bulls, even though I was a Chicago kid. I didn't play with the Bulls much because they didn't have Jordan on the team. I, I would every now and then, because I, I, I mean, Pippen and Grant were still. I mean, they were still really good players. But could you imagine the mental anguish that he caused some people? It really caused me a bunch of mental anguish when um, you get called for goaltending on every shot. Not don't don't jump up there and, and tend the goal. <laughs> Just follow the rules. By the way, speaking of video games, I, I'm telling you what, Andy, I am becoming a huge soccer snob. I am becoming really? a, a huge yeah. I so I've been playing so much FIFA. I'm learning so much about the game and some of these different leagues and the levels and everything. And please tweet at me whenever I say something ignorant about it. I, I welcome that because I'm just trying to learn here and become a fan. Uh, I know I've, I've already pissed off Marisek enough because I text him now all about it. And um, I, so I've started with, uh, I started as the head coach of Atlanta United. Wanted to, you know, I, I wanted to uh, just see what that MLS was all about. But then after playing an MLS, I was like, you know what? I need to take it a step further. I need to go over to England. I need to go over and play in that uh, that league. So I got a job offer from Fulham, and I took it. And Andy, I did not know this at the time, 
Fulham is owned by Shad Khan, the owner of the Jaguars, the man who tried to buy the Rams. And so, Andy. So basically, yeah. you work for Shad Khan right now. I work for Shad Khan right now. And Andy, I also found this out that apparently a few years back, Fulham was relegated. So Fulham is not in the Premier League. Oh, they got kicked out, huh? They are in something called the EFL Championship. Yeah, and they're. I'm guessing English Football League. I'm thinking that too. If somebody wants to tell me, I'm I'm all for it. If you want to tweet at me and tell me what it means, please do so at Joe Roderick. I, I've also found out, Andy, that there are so many damn tournaments and then tournaments within the league and then in the season. And then uh, there's all, all kinds of just crazy little things that go on throughout the year. All I know is I'm trying to win games to get up that, to that Premier League so I can take on the likes of Arsenal and Liverpool and Chelsea. And I could just go and, and take them down. Uh, because right now in the Premier League, Andy, I, I'm watching. I am. I have it set on my phone for whenever uh, Leicester City plays. That's that. Is, I have decided they are my Premier League team. Is Leicester City? Leicester City. Okay. Leicester City is my team. And uh, until I mean, if Fulham, if they can get themselves elevated uh, to the to the Premier League, then I'll I'll switch. I will. Uh, I'll gladly switch over to that. Were they formerly in the Premier League and got kicked out because they weren't very good anymore? How does that work? I, I guess there are three levels. Like, there's the Premier League is the top, and then there's a bunch of teams in the EFL, and then there's something called League One, which I guess is just crap teams. I don't know. Again, yeah. I'm learning all of this. I am just sitting – I will pause the game in the middle of it and get on Wikipedia to read about something. <laughs> Soccer nerd. I am trying so hard <laughs> for that. And then I was, so I'm up here. My, my I, mean, I don't, I, I, I'm not sure what college he went to, but whatever. Uh, I mean, my my sister's husband won, I think, a national championship in soccer at some division level uh, when he was in college. So I'm, I'm going to ask him all kinds of soccer questions this weekend too. He's got the trophies and everything in the ring nice. here at the uh, the house. Nice. Yeah, pick his brain. I know. I'm just going to ask him. I'm going I'm to talk strategy with him because my strategy, right? I have a great strategy right now and it works. Andy, it works. I get a, uh, I, I have a really fast striker okay. and I, I let the other team, like if, if my goalie catches the ball, I run up to the beginning of the box and I punt it as far as I can. And while trying to stay on side with my striker, he tries to beat the other uh, defender to the back and then get a one-on-one -on -one with the goalie. I've scored so many goals like that. It's unreal. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it's kind of like cherry picking, but I, Ben, you have to stay on side. So it's yeah. it's tough to do, man. It really is. Like, uh, But again, hey, it's a strategy and it works. Your striker has to be like within two arm lengths of, of, the, of the sweeper or the defenders? I think they have to be like even with them. Is it, is it right there even with them? When the ball, when the foot kicks the ball, they cannot be ahead of the uh, of the defense. At least nope. that's again. There are people probably throwing their phones right now, listening to me try to talk soccer. Probably, I am. I am very much pissing people off right now with me trying to talk soccer. It's definitely who is, happening. Who is the big soccer guy in St. Louis? Bill McDermott. Uh, I, I can't wait for him to start being a guest on the program. Oh no, I already have Will Gavin for that. <laughs> oh, he's your he's your friend from England. He is. <laughs> I had him on a few weeks ago, and I've been texting him ever since about it. <laughs> I'm sure he just loves you. I've texted him like the announcers will say something, 
And they, again, these are English announcers and they have their own lingo and they will say something and I will shoot him a text asking him what it means. And like, this bloody bloke. <laughs> these are things that I can easily look up too. You just want, you just want to text your friend. I just want answers. <laughs> I'm sure I've already exhausted him too with this oh, stupidity. I'm, I'm sure. And the thing is, I'm I, that's all I'm going to talk to him. when I see him in Tampa at the Super Bowl. That's all I'm going to talk to him about. He's going to kick your ass. He's not. He's going to be so annoyed by it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to. I'm going to block my network. <laughs> I got to block this Roderick guy. I, I get him into enough stuff. He owes me. He the least he yeah. can do is entertain me by trying to pretend that he's uh he enjoys listening to me talk soccer. <laughs> hey, uh we got to end it up here. So, okay, we we know all around the country a a big thing going on right now is the removal of of certain statues that might have offensive or racial um histories that have to do with slavery or the Confederacy and things that people might be find offensive. We we've we've seen that here in St. Louis and all around the country, correct? Correct. Happening here in Edwardsville. So Columbus, Ohio, Andy, there is a statue of Christopher Columbus. You know, the man who sailed the ocean blue, not the not the movie director. Right. Um, who, you know, Columbus, Ohio is named after Christopher Columbus. So they not only want all statues removed. Andy, the people of Columbus, Ohio, want to change the name of Columbus, Ohio. Andy, okay. there is a petition going on right now at change.org. Yeah. Um, that has 102,000 signatures. Okay. To change the name of Columbus, Ohio to Flavortown, Ohio. Shut up. Columbus is an amazing city, but one whose name is tarnished by the very name itself. Its namesake, Christopher Columbus, is in the bad place because of his raping, slave trading, and genocide that's not exactly a proud legacy. Why not rename the city Flavortown? The new name is twofold. For one, it honors Central Ohio's proud heritage as a culinary crossroads and one of the nation's largest test markets for the food industry. Secondly, Chef Liberty Guy Fieri was born in Columbus, so naming the city in honor of him would be superior to its current nom... Uh, I don't know what that, this word is, Andy. N-O-M-E-N-C-L-A-T-U-R-E. Nomenclature? Okay, Sure. I'm a big Guy Fieri guy. Uh, I like that uh, Guy's Grocery Games, which is at the Flavortown Market. I'm guessing the Flavortown Market would then officially have headquarters in Flavortown, Ohio. Yeah. Would they then become the Flavortown Blue Jackets? God, that would be a great name. I think you'd change it to that, right? I mean, you'd change they, their name. Uh, and they, then, like, on the screen, they'd be FBJ. Yeah, I think, I mean, we can change their name to from Blue Jay. If they're the Flavor Town, you got to go with something else, right? Like have Guy Fieri be the, be the PA announcer? Oh, my God. With, like, uh, you mean those, those his hair, like the visors yeah. with his hair would sell like crazy at that, yeah. at, at those games. Yeah, the Flavor Town Blue Jackets. Yeah. Well, I guess they'd be, maybe be the Flavor Town Spatulas, Flavor Town uh, Barbecue Grill Tools. 
the hot sauce, spices. Ooh, the flavor town spice. Ooh, the spices is massive. Uh, what else could they? It could be anything food related. Yeah, you would have to change the, the name. I just retweeted. I just retweeted the uh, the change.org petition. If anybody wants to go to my uh, my profile, my Twitter timeline, and you guys can uh, you can check that out. The flavor town for, uh, for yourself. Again, there there's a lot of names that you can go there with uh, with that. And so that is uh, so they have uh, over 102,000 signatures going right now. So the uh, yeah Guy Fieri has nothing to do with this, but they want to name it after him, and I think that sounds like an incredible idea. I think it does too. Yeah, we've uh, well, you and I have both met Guy Fieri, and then I've seen him the uh, the two years since, and I don't bother him anymore. I got my one picture with Guy Fieri, and I'm happy with that. Right, I would never bother him again either. Nope, that's I, I, I see him walking I, around, and I just yeah. Trip the trip that I went on, I shared a beer with one of his main judges, uh, uh, Aaron May, Chef Aaron May. You shared a beer with him? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know you knew who Aaron May was or not. Well, I, I, again, I've been to this uh, this same thing three years in a row now, so uh, that's the only reason I know who these guys are. Yeah, sure. Uh, Aaron Mazon is is a judge on all of guys' programs, and like, is, they're like really, really good buddies. I didn't. I, I didn't know. That. I just know that he they make a uh, they make a lot of nice dishes at the uh, at the tailgate each and every year. Yep. A tailgate. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, we will get to attend down in Tampa, and we can do that. What's that? I can't wait to go this year. You you will be if it as long as the NFL has it this year. You're going this year. I so. get to go this year. Yes, I've already told you that. Don't act all surprised just just for the it's podcast. For the show. I mean, just act surprised for the podcast. No, no, you can't because it makes me look bad. Just you've <laughs> you've already known that you're going. So hey, keep wearing your damn masks and keep washing your hands and social distance and stop being idiots to everybody out there listening. So we can have sports like baseball and basketball and hockey and football all coming back in the uh in the near future that's gonna do it for our show today thank you to our guests ted berg polo Asensio, and tab bamford all joining us uh Klaibs and i will be on for the lunch show on monday at 12 30 look forward to talking to everybody there for uh for that for andy hanselman i am joe roderick you have been listening to weekend joe driven by munganas st louis acura munganas alton toyota right here on ClabesOnline.com. Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura here on ClabesOnline.com, now the exclusive home of Weekend Joe. Hey, St. Louis Acura has received the Precision Team Award 28 times more than any other Acura dealership in the United States. They have been serving the St. Louis area since 19. 1986, located at 13720 Manchester Road in St. Louis. They are your premier realtor of new and used Acura vehicles in the nation. That is Munganess. St. Louis Acura, the title sponsor here of Weekend Joe, now on ClabesOnline.com.